1: What's good, Internet? It's Monday, August 31st, and you're listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 341. I'm your host, Austin Walker, and joining me today, back on Waypoint Radio, Gita Jackson.
2: Yo, what's up? I'm Welcome finally back. back.
1: Welcome back. I'm glad to have you back. I'm uh, back for a big one. Uh, Ricardo Contreras here also. Hi, how's it going? Good. You know, it's Monday, so we're we hey. going to do. You know <laughs> I don't know anyway Rob Zachney, also here for a big one uh this one has been brewing I think for for quite some time I feel like this has been a date that's that's been written into our calendars since for a few months five when, when did the release date of Crusader King's three get released it was a few months ago right it was not like all year ago. um
2: yeah 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 we've only been in this state of heightened antip- anticipation for a couple of months right well and, so, and the, the
1: anticipation was doubly heightened because of a preview you did about Crusader Kings 3 and how it seemed like that game was coming together pretty well and here we are now <laughs> with that game having released two pretty fabulous reviews across the board Your own review over on on, um, motherboardvice.com slash games, waypoint.vice.com, go read it, is very positive on it. And I think it's a good intro to the game in a way that if you don't know anything about Crusader Kings, you lay it out from top to bottom. You're like, all right, look, at the top of the screen, here is some stuff. And then you synthesize that into some bigger ideas about the game. Um, Yeah. What do y'all – Yeah, if
2: there's one thing my former editor at Kotaku ever taught me – Is that I need to say what the game is? Shout out to Riley McLeod for telling giving me that note a thousand times. (laughs) Okay, but what is
1: this game? What do you do? What do you do? What is the game? Is in
2: this game classic editorial note. (laughs) It's just it here. It served me so well because explaining what the game is is something I've struggled to do with Crusader Kings as a series since I started playing it with two. Like you you get into Crusader Kings, uh, I'm sure Rob, Austin, you've had this experience, and you you get into it and you're like, tell someone a like novel length story yeah. of some incredible war or back and forth, like a, a you know, passive aggressiveness you had with another character, uh, or a murder you pulled off that was incredibly unlikely. And then the other person is like, Okay, so but what do you do in the game?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: What <laughs> is the game? What are the game aspects? And I, I'm, I've am i always come up with a loss. Uh, here, I feel like this is the most gamey this game has ever been, mm-hmm. but not in a way that has detracts from the core esoterica that makes it so satisfying. I'm like seconds away from DMing Uh, Kayla Sims, little Simsy, the best Sims YouTuber and telling her to play this because it's exactly the kind of collision of personalities that in the Sims makes that game so satisfying. But here it's just on the scale of like most of like all of Europe, northern Africa and continental Asia.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so that's one of the big things I think coming into this game that I wasn't sure what they would do. If you asked me a year ago about what Crusader Kings 3 would look like, I wouldn't have guessed that you would start with a map as broad as this Uh, I definitely expected a total reset of a focus on you know Europe during the Crusades maybe a little bit of the Middle East because you you need it's the it's the Crusades (laughs) Um, but but probably not as much of North Africa as is as is here probably not India and the the kind of Indian subcontinent the the way that that's here Um, uh, and in general I just didn't know what to expect in terms of complexity Um, you know, UI design, new mechanics, focus, you know, what the focus would be because CK3 got away from me eventually. Um, Mm -hmm. I played CK3 kind of religiously for three or four years, um, uh, maybe longer than that, I guess. But at some point, the last three or four years, I didn't play it. I barely touched it. And in that time period, there was a big transformation in some core mechanics. And the last time I went back to it, I was kind of like, oh, this isn't I I don't – I have to do homework to get back into this now.
2: Yeah. Um, at a certain point, Ireland stopped being reliably a place you could go to learn the new mechanics. And at that point, I was like, okay, I'm waiting for the next one now. <laughs> I just when, don't care. When
1: you're playing consistently, you don't need to go to a, like a, a starter zone, so to speak. No offense to Ireland. Ireland had become kind of the de facto – best starting learning zone in that not zone, but like place to start out. Uh, And if you're playing consistently, you'd be like, oh no, I'm just going to start a new game wherever. I know this game well enough. I'll pick up the new mechanics. And that was not the case eventually in CK2. Rob, it looked like you wanted to jump in there.
4: No, I was just... uh, I think this is a common problem with the Arc of Paradox games uh, where they start with the initial scope they have. And then there's two things. One is that their model is to release new expansions. But two, people... Are always interested, like, well, what about these folks who were in this historical period? Like, you know, they had interesting interactions over here. And over time, Paradox Games begin trying to accommodate that. But with the expansions, you run to the tricky problem of you start accommodating systems of government and, uh, like, new... Axes of conflict that weren't originally in the game and aren't really like core to what the original game was. And so it starts to get that really janky, like overmodded feeling like every Paradox game. I also tend to fall off a few years in because I start loading it up. And it's like, once again, I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, And so Crusader Kings 3 feels like a really welcome opportunity for me to, like, jump back on the train uh, and see, like, the synthesis that it presents of a lot of the changes that were introduced organically to Crusader Kings 2, but with, like, a much more effective and welcoming, um, I don't know, veneer of accessibility.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Can you? Let's, I guess let's let's talk about that. Like first impressions here, Gita. Um, you know, with with some caveats, which we'll get into. You seem pretty positive in your review, Rob. From from hearing you talk, you also seem fairly strong on it. Do you think this is the place where? Do you think this is a place where people who've heard us talk about the series and games like this for years can jump onto it, like
4: safely? I think Absolutely, I'm the person yes. who. Sorry, I think I'm the novice here. <laughs> oh, like, really? Gita, like from what you guys are saying about me, European Ursalis was my game. Right. Crusader Kings was always a little Interesting. bit okay. fussy for me. And so like, I suspect from hearing you guys talk, you've both been more successful at like riding the Crusader Kings wave yeah. than I have. And so as somebody who like made several attempts to get back into Crusader Kings 2 after its initial like launch window, this one is like Oh, just a perfectly drawn bath.
3: Mm. <laughs> just let me sink
4: in here. Oh, it's oh, it's so nice. Uh, now I see why people have been going on about these baths.
1: They're good um, baths.
4: There's yeah. a lot going on. You
1: wouldn't think that it's when like you want. Walk-
4: Japanese tubs now. Oh, like, it's beautiful. You, know.
1: yeah. you wouldn't think that you want, you know, 70 characters in your bathing experience. But it turns out <laughs> people just keep coming in the bathroom to offer you stuff or threaten your life. and You're like, this is amazing. I love bath theater. Um,
2: yeah, <laughs> it it truly is though. Like this this game. In speaking with the developers, I also have an interview with uh two of the leads on Crusader Kings three that I'm tr- typing up rapidly, <laughs> um, and you'll probably see it sometime this week. Um, they really made an effort this time to think about players who are new to this game and how to bring them in. Right, I was. I, People who hear this and think like that dichotomy between new players, old players, it's different in this kind of strategy game where the level of work you have to do to get into it is so much that like old players are also all going to be new players for this game. There's enough of the changes to the system okay, that yeah. you're going to have to do a little bit of work to get into it. But they have an actual tutorial. I know a this because I'm tutorial. in the middle of
1: that tutorial still. I picked up. <laughs> the, mm, I I've had the problem of needing to have an unbroken. Amount of time in front of me to sit down and play this game in the right yes. headspace versus, like, let me tell you, it's easy to pick up the anime soccer game at 11 p.m. and like <laughs> drop some games <laughs> into that and be like, yo, that was sick. I love this tournament arc. Versus, like, all right, let me understand the way my domains work. Let me understand yes. what the, you know, et cetera. And so I'm in the middle of that tutorialization, which has been pretty good so far, though. It Rob is covering sure my really Isn't it? Isn't it? Sorry. No, I was fine. just going to say, isn't every arc in the sports anime and tournament arc? No, but we'll get there. We'll get there in the second half of the
2: show. <laughs> Sometimes you have to but train, okay? <laughs> Austin <laughs> just
4: talking about, like, get. Just saying that, I was like, I really want to put my domains in order See? right now. Like, right. Because I just declared a kingdom. Oh, um, it's a mess.
2: Oh, oh yeah. So some it's work, like. Some, some, some got to organize those duchies. gotta
4: be like and I gotta think about like I'm gonna die and who's going to inherit this kingdom but also like what are the choice like I gotta make sure that the real base of power resides with my heir but it's all just fucked up right now so I have to take a morning. and this is I think Austin is like probably the base hurdle that still remains Yeah, Crusader Kings is a game where you sometimes like will accomplish something and you have to like hit the brakes Yeah, and you're like I need to take in the evening and tend to my titles.
2: Excuse me, to some admin right now, right? Yeah. Like, Nobody ev- disturb like, me.
4: I'll be in my study.
2: It's Virgo season, baby. We're eating tonight. Like... <laughs>
4: <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> like God. you just
2: do have to sit down and organize everything, which for me is so fucking satisfying. You win a war or create a title, and you're just sort of like, oh, now I get to open up some files. <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> Let me get those tabs open. Let oh, me look you at some, dump lines some of those old of- counties yes. on like a, on
4: a
2: noble so
1: who
4: loved. you trust now. Yeah, and yes. you're like, you know what? I took this from you by force, but you've been cool about it for the last twenty years. <laughs> Yep. I'm giving it back to you. I no longer need it because <laughs> and,
1: I'm the king of this country. And patting myself on the back like I'm doing a nice thing. Love it. God. Great.
2: I love fucking people over and then building a beneficial, mutually beneficial relationship with them so I can give them back the stuff that I need to take from them for temporarily.
4: God. Okay, so, Gita, help me understand, though. Why is it so okay. much... Like, I agree, this is the most accessible, and I'm saying, like, it's the perfectly drawn bath, but, like, what are the things, in your view, that it's doing that, like, make it the one that, like, if Paradox games generally sort of set some hurdles that are Mm. tough to clear, why is this the one, like, why does it feel just so good to just start fucking around with it?
2: I feel like this version of the game, they've talked so much, and I can see it expressed in the game so well about wanting to put you in the perspective of a character where you are not making choices as Austin Walker or Rob Zachney or Gita Jackson. You are making choices as the current leader of your dynasty, the current person in your dynasty that you are playing as. And you can see the tension, the push pull of that character's personality in every choice you make. And that is, aspect is intoxicating you'll get random events that will play out differently from character to character just based on those personality traits the stress mechanic I think really brings us together because the st- stress you can have like a character. usually okay so here's something that I would usually do every time uh, a new heir became a leader of the per- the you know the new duke the new baron the new king I would host a feast because usually I'd have enough gold to do so. And that's a really easy way to just get all of your vassals to like you a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Usually when you you start as a new ruler, you will have a debuff to how much they like you for short reign. It doesn't matter if you're 12 or 20 or 40. <clears throat> they will all just be like, man, he's only been a ruler right. for 0.5 seconds. Who the fuck, the fuck that is guy. this
1: new guy? Yeah, you don't even go yeah, here, exactly. homie. Yeah.
2: Yeah. This baby. Fuck this baby. They don't know <laughs> shit. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So I would do that, but it got me in trouble because I kept having characters who had the shy trait. Oh. Shy people do not like doing sway schemes, which is, again, a really easy way to get people to like you. Yeah. Or they do not like hosting feasts because they would rather just be alone. They don't want to hang out with people. And so that would always get their stress into critical levels. So I'd end up with a bunch of shy alcoholics oh my God. or shy recluses or shy people who flagellated themselves. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> as one does you got, listen you got that stress what are you gonna do with it you know
2: and I like could see me pushing this character to their breaking point by hosting yet another feast and it's like bitch they're all about to murder you they're <laughs> all in a faction that is rapidly gaining power you have to have this feast and they're like I'm gonna die if you do that I did that once yeah um, character who was shy I needed them to have another feast and then start a war <coughs> and those two actions back to back literally killed them they died from stress Burnout's
4: real. (laughs) Burnout's real. So, it is, that is such a brilliant new addition, this notion that I think sometimes there's a problem where, um, as much as there was life sim stuff in Crusader Kings 2, I think sometimes I was troubled by the way that I knew that there was an optimization game I should be playing. Like, that, uh, yes, there was all this life sim, these life sim aspects, but, like, also there was a way to sort of work my will and, like, do the math right. Here, the addition of stress and knowing that, like, characters are – they can go against type. You can say, like, you know what? I'm going to really focus this time. That's not easy for me, but I'm really going to focus. I'm going to be mindful today, and it's going to hurt, but it's really important that we be present for this moment because we're about to liquidate this entire family. Uh, <laughs> but uh that's – Useful because it does sort of surface the way that, like, hey, uh this is now – your character is a person who, if they had their druthers, would be this way. Right. And that's not – and that doesn't mean they're going to be the perfect prince or the ideal queen, right? Like, this – their character has flaws. You can overcome them and do the math right. You can make the optimal decision. But this is not really in this person's wheelhouse. I find, though – um. It seems like the biggest generator of stress is parenting. Uh, I'm sorry, warding. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> uh, so because
2: yeah, so your I love this. Sometimes your character will autonomously gain traits based on other thing, other things in the background. Like the part of the brilliance of this game is that there's so much complex math bouncing at each other at all times. It feels like characters are making choices by themselves. They're obviously not. This is all programmed. You know, and a lot of this is just RNG fun, but <clears throat> it will feel like. Oh, my child suddenly is a glutton. Mm. Fuck that shit. I hate it. I want them to not be a glutton anymore, but doing the work that makes them change their basic nature (laughs) will stress you out. Stress you out a lot. (laughs) Did you ever have any fun? Like I had some times where my air just had to keep a treat because otherwise I would go critical on stress and I was like, I don't need this person to go into a drunken stupor or a hashish phase, like, oh, yeah. for three years. I just no, need it. <laughs> the kids are
4: so demanding. It's like, because also your character has all these flaws. They're all shaped. It's a very good simulator of dysfunctional families. <laughs> like, your character is and, fucked up because they had a fucked up upbringing. But now you're like, alright. I'm gonna do better. I have, yeah, I am going to shape my <laughs> ward and uh, I'm gonna shape my heir, and they're gonna be all the things I was not. I was a bit of a dick. I was wrathful. Did that make me the deadliest cavalryman uh, in you know northern Europe? Yes, it did. <laughs> did it also make me kind of a bad ruler and a mediocre dad? Absolutely. Uh, so my kid's not gonna be like me. And then like you get the choice of like your you know your 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 son is uh, exhibiting habits of being, uh, cruel. And you can. Teach them like patience and forbearance. You can be like, expl- explain to them why that is not nice to do. And you'll get like 30 stress warning. It's like, your guy is not the messenger. <laughs> like, you're going to start saying like, can you, not-? you know, sometimes when you threaten to behead the page boy. Boy. Um, you know, it makes them feel bad. And um. immediately your character will just stroke out. you just Yeah, there's no dead. option
2: for just taking off a sandal, unfortunately, well, the, in this the game. The thing so. that is,
1: well, that's the thing for me is like, I'm thinking about this in terms of my own family who i love all of my family but there are definitely people who when i was young would be like don't do this and i'd be like i saw you break a cassette tape in your hand to intimidate someone five hours ago <laughs> <laughs> that person is chill now it is a huge improvement is a completely yep. different human love loving yep. with all my heart but, you
2: really can't tell me shit, though. Right? No, the <laughs> yeah. the, the
1: you gotta traits, tag someone else family. in on this one. <laughs> yeah.
4: The child bearing model of Crusader Kings is very much like Philip Larkin's "This Be the Verse," right? Mm. Of just like uh, everyone just fucking up the next generation. <laughs> um, but it's it's for cool seven hundred yeah. years, you know. Like it's for that's the thing for
1: for me. One of the the things that is so. One of the things that differs about this game from most other games that are about characters, certainly inside of the world of strategy games, this isn't true, but the generational and and long view perspectives of Crusader Kings have always – Have always separated it from the stories that we mostly get to tell and, and, you know, hear inside of video games. Even the most epic fantasy stories that we have tend to be about a single generation or maybe 20 years. You know what I mean? You think about something like Dragon Age 2, which takes place over a number of years in one city, which differentiates it from other fantasy epics. But inside, outside of, outside of a few other grand strategy games that do some character stuff, um, um, you don't get that style of like, Oh fuck! This kid reminds me of of their great 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 grandmother. You know what I mean? Do like, want
2: to hear like an actual tragic please, story all, that happened to me? Dita always. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I I mean I have several from my several playthroughs. I have tried to make an effort to play in non-European regions. Also, the only thing I didn't really hit was the the Kaganates in the like sure. uh, like East Asia. <clears throat> but I was really I started off in. India the gameplay is like a dream in India um the feudal stuff doesn't quite match up in other areas just because they had different sure. kinds of governments really historically and it's just sort of hard to go met one to one but with the maharajas in India it's just perfect it's absolutely perfect and it feels very good to play in that way it feels like a you got like a different little mini game over here in this in subcontinental India <laughs> and then over there is something else happening but it's just very very fun so much of it is about specific worship of specific Hindu deities oh, and that playing out as like tension uh, as alongside like all the different cultures of subcontinental Ooh. India are trying to duke it out to see who will be the most dominant. So you're basically it's like trying to find the ruler, the true cultural and religious ruler of India, and you'll probably won't actually get to find that just have a lot of wars. Um, but as I was there, I was, you know, playing a guy who like kind of sucked. Like he was, you know, he was fine for what I needed. I needed someone who could be a warlord because I needed to just take over and claim a lot of the different duchies that were around me and amass land and power. But my heir was this perfect, beautiful angel child. He had the trait just. He was compassionate. He had all of these traits that was going to make him an incredible diplomat. Uh, I'm uh, hopefully I was hoping to create enough alliances using my son and my heir to create a sense of stability, at least in the southern portion of India where I was, because everywhere else it was just warring so much. Mm -hmm. And through the powers of diplomacy, uh, the diplomacy track can be really, really powerful in terms of just getting other people to agree to be your vassals without warring with them. And I was hoping to be able to do that. I'd done it before, and it really worked out well, just in terms of amassing titles without pissing everyone off and setting off these chain reactions um but his shitty little brother was uh had a very high intrigue step. oh no yes his and this well I mean he had high for <sighs> his age he was like thirteen and he had like a nine or ten, which is high for yeah. his age. And with the right random number nonsense meant that his scheme to kill his older brother oh and become heir, become a shitty, like, f- he was a flamboyant jester what, at the end of his education was the trait he was given. Fantastic. A one star in the intrigue. Track. I'm so angry. <laughs> he became a ruler and we all had a fucking shitty time. Oh. God, I couldn't believe it because this is like the perfect angel who had just gotten married right. and was like, just didn't have a chance to impregnate his wife so that his grandson would be heir. And that was it. Well, so he got murdered like right after getting married. I was so fucking that's pissed. So
1: fucked up. I mean, this is the thing that is, I think maybe one of the things that maybe is difficult to understand about the Crusader King series is you are playing at any given moment. You, your whole game is about your dynasty, but that does not mean that you have a bunch of chess pieces you're moving around. You are playing control of one person person and whatever influence that they and their closest allies can put onto the world. And sometimes when I say your closest allies, those are people whose loyalty you cannot actually count on 100%, who can be turned against you. Um, And so it's much more like you're suggesting things to your chess pieces. It's almost like you could, every chess piece on the board is moving at the same time and you can tell them where you would like them to go. (laughs) <laughs> um, but like Dwarf Fortress, you don't know necessarily if they're going to do the thing you want them to do, if they're going to be taken by a whim to go do something else. And that other thing might be put a, a dagger in your own back or sleep with your spouse or sleep with you uh, or you know, try to sleep with you. Um, and and uh, all of that I stuff is, is just so good. And it's it again, it's They distinct. added this. From games.
2: They knew they added some new shit to this too, which makes it even more interesting. Mm-hmm. Now you can your character, when you come into their personhood and start playing as them, they can have like childhood best friends, childhood rivals, Love it. childhood crushes. And these all influence relationships to these people. I mentioned this one in my review. It's a great story where um, my rival ended up as my bishop. Which is an unremovable part of your council. And your bishop has to approve you to the church in order for you to get the taxes and levies from your church holdings. And I had quite a few temples, actually, because my character specialized in piety. But this motherfucker would not approve of me.
4: Oh, <laughs> I hated why? Him so much. a surprising number of clerics? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: like, this bitch
2: it- <laughs> died of the bubonic plague, and I was like, suck it. Damn. God judge you, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> like,
4: I love it when they want to endorse you, but also their like piety score sucks, and yes, so God. it's like- I
2: have like an eight, and I'm like a fourteen, and uh-huh. I'm like, who are you to judge?
1: <laughs> God, Rob, it sounds like. Yeah. So uh, actually, let me just let me just ask this of, of both of you. Um, we can zoom in a little bit if we need to. But uh, what are you- each of you have played this game? It seems a-, a bunch. What is your standout character or kingdom? What is like the one that is the closest to to your heart at this point? Um, that you're proudest of or that you feel is so kind of terrible that you almost don't want to, you don't even want to tell me about them because they're so, you've done some dirt.
2: <laughs> I I can think of one. I don't know, Rob, if you, if one rolls off the top of your head for you.
4: Um, So I did end up revisiting uh, Ireland again, but this time I was like, we're not going to go down as Ireland. We're going to become Britain. Wow. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, Hold on one second. I'm sorry. The timing delivery. on this. It's fine.
2: Yeah. I um, have a good interlude about Ireland. Too. So yeah, just we'll just, we'll just here here hang he's, until. He's got to deal with this. Yeah. <sighs> um, when I started, I actually have to still text my friend who is uh, an Irish American and cares a lot about Irish history. Because she's a socialist uh, about this, but I, when I started playing as Ireland, I got so close to creating the Kingdom of Ireland, and then England came in and wrecked in my entire shit. No. And my boyfriend was just like, "Well, you just replicated basically yeah, all of the history of Ireland." So <laughs> oh, <whoops.
4: laughs> I, so I was in that position. Um, there's, there's a couple things. So as if you're playing, um, you, you start as, uh, oh gosh, what's their, what's the family name? The uh, house, uh, house Brian. Mm. Uh, If you start as them, uh, they've got a really powerful, like, warlord king that they start with. And here's the thing that I I think this game is even more pointed about. Truly talented people are so rare that it does – there's a – it feels more dynamic than it used to in that I felt a lot more pressure to make hay while the sun shines when I had – Things line up where I had a ruler who was really competent in a couple aspects. And then, like, if some of the people available for their council were really competent, we were just off to the races. And so, like, there's a pressure to – if you've got, a, like, a great war leader, you'll be at war all the time because this is your moment. This is your chance, right? Um, So, with him, I just went for the throat. Like, I was not – like – Basically, everyone else in Ireland got an offer of like, uh, you know, you can you can either swear fealty, or we're coming across the border uh, next next spring. <laughs> up to you. And like, so really quickly, like, just reduced everyone in uh, Ireland declared the kingdom, and then Scotland unexpectedly fucked up all their alliances. Usually, they've managed oh. to have like some sort of alliances that sort of safeguard them somehow they didn't. Uh and so I just went in. Um and that's the dynamism and, to some degree, because you can't
1: count on that. You can't count on Scotland in that moment having fucked up.
4: Yeah. And they did, and so they were they knew they had the problem. Like, I invaded Scotland and they signed an alliance with Spain. And this isn't like Spain, Spain. Like yeah, yeah, Spain yeah, yeah. is a powerful medieval kingdom at this stage of the game, but it's not like uh, Fernand and Isabella are about to, like, you know, lower the hammer on you, right? Uh, but still, it meant like thousands of troops were intervening in a small, uh, you know, Celtic war, basically. And so I had to, with my with my leader, um, it was one of those really quick, like, I have to destroy three armies that, if they united, would be about four times my numbers. And I have to destroy them before they can do that. Right. And so it was this like really tense divide my forces, go after one, kill them, wheel, converge, kill the next group, and basically chased off Spain. Um and it was a successful war. We ended up uh, taking a lot of Scotland, and uh, that set us up for a good invasion of Britain. But the thing that really started to get dicey was I also had a really messy family tree.
3: And so in the wake
4: of all these wars, um, what I ended up having to do with all the prestige I'd won via these wars, prestige is a really important currency. It, it like allows you to um, it's what allows you to create new. Kingdom titles—it's what allows you to sort of do a lot of the bureaucratic uh, feudal stuff to reshape what your what your realm looks like. Um, I ended up burning through all of it, just aggressively disinheriting people because in the middle of all these wars, my heir had been killed. Uh. And oh, fuck. Yeah, and so were they
2: leading an army? You really yeah. got to check on that. You got to forbid heirs uh, uh, to be knights. I, do
4: I, I don't <laughs> think he was leading an army. I think he was serving right with the king i think mean, like listed as one of the knights in the retinue or something but like he just mm. he died in the fighting um died pretty nastily too like first i got the like oh he's maimed and wounded and one-armed <laughs> like it was it was not good i click on his portrait and it's like he's all kinds of fucked up <laughs> and then he just died but he died right after having a wave of children Um with uh, oh. his wife.
2: Sometimes it do be like that. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Meanwhile, he was my only heir. I had this thing entirely oh set God. up where he was going to be the sole heir, and he was going to get all of it. He was going to yeah. get everything. And now, and now it was like and a random two-year-old right. who was being raised by a woman who hated me. Was <laughs> oh, my heir, the dream. And so I was like, I might need a new heir. And so I looked through my options and I found... This like in Crusader King's terms, I guess she would be described as a smoking hot sex machine, <laughs> um, but she oh, had the lustful trait, um she had like the beautiful trait, but also um she had intrigue through the roof, like oh, yeah. I think it was 20. It was just some insane oh, intrigue man. score. And so, like, That's I was like. That's before
1: spousing up and getting a spouse bonus on your, on your intrigue score, right?
4: Yeah. So, I, <laughs> reader, I married her, um, <laughs> had a kid, and immediately started plotting against my now regretfully departed son's family. Oh, my God. Um, and just began, like, revoking to. <laughs> funny oh my excuses God. to like disinherit and uh, like really quickly, just it was, it was ugly. And my, my king was a real bastard. Uh, but by the end of it, I disinherited that entire line of the family. And but they're still
1: around. Did they
2: not like, yeah, they're going to come, that, 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 you. That, they're gonna come yeah. to you later.
4: Yeah, but with, yeah, but they didn't. Is <laughs> that what? a later
2: <laughs> problem for you? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they can't stab you in the back if you own all the knives.
4: Yeah. Yeah, So that was that was kind of it. But it was this like, really, I could have done a lot of things with the influence I would gained uh, from gaining all these titles and fighting all these wars. And it would have probably made future succession problems way easier to just use that to re-administer the kingdom. But I had to burn through all of it, just like brute forcing this entire wing of the family out of the line of succession uh, because also it turns out like my, my lustful, brilliant, uh, devious wife was a great mom. <laughs> like she raised some really talented oh, children. I love that light novel. Did you
2: get the, the buff also from like they gain extra knowledge from a great tutelage from your spouse.
4: Yeah. I'd love to see it for both the kids. Um, I mean, one of the, the things o- only, go ahead. The only downside was my, my, my King could not get out of his head. That she was cheating on him. Um, like oh, every I mean, few years, he was like, "Damn!" Like
3: I you
2: don't basically know. married, sweetie. So she, <laughs> she was about to show y'all how to bag an eight-figure. I digger, figure, and like you can't get that out of your head.
1: The thing <laughs> is, I she may have been and you know what maybe it's okay that she was <laughs> wasn't my problem yeah you know what i'm it's saying
2: like yeah again to to bring it back to sweetie if you're dating sweetie are you going <laughs> to be mad at someone else right the, Ooh, can you be mad <laughs> the
1: the thing that we should emphasize or not emphasize but like i think that that maybe um was important in that story is that you don't you're the resources you're taking and keeping track of are not only like Gold or whatever in this. Uh, there are also kind of more abstract things, more abstract, uh, resources that you spend to do things like revoke titles or, or readminister your kingdom or, or do great things. Um, and, and that's an example of like, you could have, you could have spent that, those resources making the future better. And instead what you did was you spent it being petty and taking away Mm -hmm. stuff from, no? Rob hard, sa- disagree. Okay. hard
4: disagree. Hard <laughs> disagree. I see. Okay. Uh-huh. I did I did a little evil mm-hmm. to secure a bright future without the threat for of Brian. uh yeah, without the threat of English intervention. Is this is like
2: the time like I murdered those two babies.
4: Yeah. This is just like that. Tell me about the babies.
2: Okay. So here's what happened. Rob you learned about this story, but it, here's here's for, for everyone. Um I had a I was a dynasty leader. And I was just having some trouble having a son. So I left my oldest daughter unmarried mm. because I knew it might come down to this matrilineal marriage. It would be tough because a lot of the surrounding leaders were Catholic. right? And they were not into that, but they would Wait, accept it. Where, where were it, you? And I could, what were you? And where, I would make it where work. Where were you? I was, uh, this is my Russian ah, leader. I was, was like trying to Eastern Europe. The, situation. Yeah, it's orthodox. Yeah. yeah, you can't. The one thing that did kind of bother me is, like, there's absolutely no representation of Judaism because there are no Jewish rulers. Right, right. So, Judaism just kind of doesn't exist, though, because it tracks religion through the rulers and not through, like, this sense of, like, there's a diaspora of Jewish tribes that also exist and have their own societies. So, that that felt like a big missing piece for me, personally. I thought that they had specifically
4: said that they were going to add... Jewish. Your sure character's the a Jews. different part of CK 2 but now that you mention yeah. it, I'm not sure. I could not I feel find, like
1: I've seen one the, the my, Jews. my 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 memory on this was that there were like specific movements you could play as that were it's presumably very small. My guess is if you find the right year and click on the one right, you know, yeah. county on the map, you'll so find them. This is
2: them. how big this but game is, yes. right? You're yes. not sure truly if there are Jews. I didn't include this in my review <laughs> uh, because I wasn't ch- entirely sure. I'm checking my time. I played 118 hours. Jesus of this Christ. Game <laughs> yes. In the one, two weeks I had it <laughs> to play. <Night. laughs> Jesus. I'm so sorry to my boyfriend for staying up until 5 a.m. twice <laughs> this week. Um, but yeah, you know, we started doing Shabbat here. We uh, we light candles. We have Shabbat dinner, all that. I wanted to play his shoes, and I made an effort to find them, and I couldn't. So away. I settled for Eastern European. <laughs> that's where David's family is from. Um, so yeah, I had done a female leader, and it was tough. Uh, she had to just be really iron-fisted. But she made it happen, and I was proud of her, and I was like, okay, I can do that again. But then I had a son, and I was like, sick! Yes, I can marry her off and have another allegiance, because I only had two daughters. This guy was just not very fertile. It was very upsetting. And I married her off, and then my son got leprosy, and he survived, and it was okay. He was fine. It was fine. It was fine. Um, he, he got leprosy. His face just looked weird. He was like 14 it was fine. I immediately had him betrothed so that I could just guarantee that he would become married when he became of age. Uh, and then a year later, he died of leprosy. Oh. And then my So it wasn't okay. Wife, it was not okay. He wasn't okay at all.
3: It was not, okay.
2: <laughs> he was not okay. I was just sitting there, no. like, ripping my desk, like, you gotta be fine. Be fine, no. child, my only son. So then my heir was in a patrilineal marriage, and I was like, if I let this happen, if I die before- she comes of age and like one of these children becomes my heir we're this is going to be a huge war because i had not i taken over what had become a very like extremely important part of this russian empire that was stopping sweden and norway from coming to the mainland europe and just taking spreading they were very very powerful kingdoms mm. And they were just amassing as much land as possible. And I had this strip of land that was blocking them from going into Russia proper. And I needed to keep that (laughs) intact. So, murdered the husband. Murdered child one. (sighs) Murdered child two. And then I fucking died. (laughs) And it was okay. She got married in a matrilineal marriage. It was fine. It was fine. God. She was a great ruler. I uh, feel really bad about those two dead kids, though. Oh, well.
1: You know, you have to break <laughs> a few eggs. You got, it worked out in the end.
2: <sighs> yeah. I'll just go down in the annals of history, so it's fine.
4: I like this game. This game sounds good. <laughs> game yeah. like I, I, the, the- All I
2: want is for Sims YouTube to discover this so much. If you play the 100 Baby Challenge, my favorite Simmer, Lil Simsy, who have now tweeted at, and Troy Goodfellow, PR Rep Paradox, has also tweeted at because <laughs> of me. Just try this shit. If you the hundred baby challenges, where you just turn the game of The Sims into just like intense brute force strategy game, because mm-hmm. you have to take care of and birth one hundred babies over a series of heirs. Um, and micromanaging their personalities doesn't matter so much there. But like micromanage in order to do the gay the challenge efficiently, they have to reach certain milestones very very quickly uh, as children characters. So you have to like. Basically create child jails for them so that they will be forced to do their homework and learn skills (laughs) and not be able to do anything else. Uh, So if you like that kind of Sims gameplay and you also like the kind of Sims gameplay where there's a bit of randomness from how other characters treat you, where the fabric of the world feels very alive because there's all these different characters you'll meet, you're going to fucking love this. And I think this is something that they really wanted I can see the attempts to reach across to new kinds of players in this gameplay. I mean, I think that's part of why uh, east asia subcontinental India, and North Africa are in this game, right? right? There's going to be players that want to not want to play this game, but not necessarily in Europe. I, I tried playing in Africa. It's actually extremely fun. and playing with re- the religions there are really fun. Uh, but it can be kind of unstable and like just because everyone's at Mm. war and then Europe wants to come in and take everything. Uh, India is a little bit more like, they have stronger armies, I think, and so you can make a, if you choose the right dynasty, you can make a stronger stand and sort of take things over. So I, I see in this game an attempt to reach players who care about diversity, players who care about representation, players who care about being able to be a woman and defying the expectation of when you look at a historical game that says these people can only exist in the margins. What was always interesting to me, in my game where I played in Africa, an African dynasty, um, a couple centuries in, almost every dynasty in Africa had at least one Swedish spouse. So there would be a bunch of Swedes for some reason. A lot of Norse people had come to Africa and established their own chiefdoms there.
1: Wow, that's really fascinating. Wild
2: shit, and that's yeah. just
1: that's just. Listen, they got boats, they got boats, and are into yeah. going far distances. What if instead of yeah. landing on the north shores of England, we landed instead in yeah Africa, in <laughs>
2: fucking northern Africa? I would have all Damn. these people who had claims on random parts of Sweden for some reason. I was like, shit, this fucking rules or uh, <laughs> in the game where. Uh, there's okay, so this is broad swath of Orthodox Christianity and uh, Walladianism, which is a, a strait of Christianity that had taken root in the Holy <laughs> Holy Roman Empire. <laughs> which is so funny. Uh, one time the papacy was Orthodox. That was really fun. Wow. Um, but the rest of Europe, though, was Ashari Islam.
1: That's incredible. <laughs> I love. It was a fucking amazing. I love history. Well, like,
3: this gets
2: to <laughs> right?
1: this gets to one of my bigger questions here, which is like the there are ways in which Crusader Kings three has always scratched two different. Or has always seemed to represent two different and often opposing views of history. On one hand, it's a very materialist rendition of history that's very interested in infrastructure, and the long, slow process of improving a nation through the sort of technological research that takes generations. You know, things take a long time to build. Oh my build.
4: god, it's so slow in this game.
1: It's very slow. Yeah. No, this is like
2: – You can get up and make <laughs> a sandwich for a lot of this game. Honestly. <laughs> but like
1: it'll take you <laughs> generations to learn how to make a better wall. You know what I mean? Like it's just – this yeah. is not – and then to implement that. Like, these are not. This is not a CK two or, or uh, sorry. This is not a, a, a Civilization tech tree. This is uh, this is like very very. This is the this is the momentum of history. It's 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 slow. It's a dung beetle, you know. Um, uh, versus the other half of Crusader Kings is you have a character. Your character has a thirty intrigue score. That means that they have more sway over history than anyone else. And you, the way that we talk about these characters in this, this world is very great, man of history. It is very much um, because I had a, a war score high enough or a martial score high enough, I was able to lead my country into uh, a greatness in a way that no other leader could have. And I'm, I'm always trying to unpack those things because they're not disconnected necessarily. It's not like it says you can't just have the great leader who has a great, you know, martial score. You do also need to have the money to raise to raise an army or whatever, but that thirty or twenty or whatever in fighting goes a long fucking way. And I'm curious how y'all feel about that part of this because it is both what makes it such a great soap <laughs> opera game, and also it feels sort of one of the ways in which it's distinct from the non-character driven, you know, Europe, uh, Europa Universalis or other other kind of grand strategy games that don't really want to give individuals the f- the the focus or the the the, the um they don't want to say this is the reason that the way europe is is the way you, or the world is is the way the world is is because of these seven these seven people happened to all be have really high scores happened to be really good leaders in this specific way
2: you know, it's. I think the remarkable thing about this game is that there are so many individual actors that will influence so many individual parts of history mm. that you can so easily be lost to time. You can make a, a significant contribution to the spread of Ashari Islam in Spain or right. something, but you will be lost in the mass of other shit that is happening. Like, I. I remember at a certain point I was like, I have to start writing down the incredible stories I'm getting from this game because I'm going to forget them because they're just going to be swept up by the next thing right. that happens that t- demands all of my attention.
1: It's less the great this man sort of- theory and more the little people. Like the it's the little people of history. It's the it's a yeah. bu- It's an it's a it's a patchwork of individuals who are still connected yeah. to material things. Rob, it looks like it's, you might want to reject that or lean
4: in. I can't well, tell. I think it's I think it's also, though, that there's just so many people that it turns out that, like, even a really brilliant ruler is just one brilliant ruler in one moment in history. And there are others. Right. Like, this notion that you Gabe's talking about, like, things being lost, I mean, things can disappear so fast in this game because the system is designed to erase these achievements of a single life as sort of the generational order Takes its yeah. toll on them yet again. And everything trying to resist is that. Mm-hmm.
2: Pardon? No, just everything is temporary. Everything yeah. is transient. I went from ruling most of the southern part of uh, North Africa to, in a generation, being completely fucking wiped out.
1: Right, right. The, um... Yeah, that, that that to me ends up being one of the most interesting things here because there there are some very well, very loud motorcycle outside my apartment. Apologies.
2: They just you know while to let you. They know just,
1: they just want, yeah there. exactly. Um, not doing any like wheelies or anything, so I, I don't give a fuck. Um, <laughs> the the thing is that there are, there are, in my Crusader Kings two experience, sometimes someone does break through. Right, sometimes you do end up having the charlemagne or the napoleon and it's like holy shit the whole map has just changed because of this one ruler uh obviously you know when the when the cons come calling you know like stuff like that does happen um uh and I'm, i guess one thing there is like this is not even about my 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 materialism versus great man stuff but i'm curious do those moments still happen here or is it so interested in uh, or or ha- has, have things just been rebalanced such <clears throat> that you don't end up having that one 30-year period where the entire map gets colored the same color because you have an empire that just has risen overnight? The
4: threat think, of the Holy do, Roman Empire or the threat of – you know what I mean? But I think it's always what happens in the next 30 years. Okay. That's, the, that's where this thing – you will have characters that do break through and like, like Charlemagne, redraw right. the map. And a bit like Charlemagne, is astonishing how little of that edifice endures when you like fast forward just two generations. Right. Things might still exist on the map, but like it's kind of like they changed succession laws so that now the lords are electing uh rulers and they hate electing people from the same family. And so like they keep sort of kneecapping right. any sort of contiguous government. And so I think this is this is the argument is like I think European Universalis is like this is when the state becomes immortal. Yeah. Like yes, actors exist in that game. A bad ruler can still tank you, a great one can still make a lot of things possible. But like the state has ways to stabilize the vagaries of individuals. Crusader Kings uh doesn't really have that. It's very much about these individual personalities. And I think the way the system stabilizes over time is all these little atomic actors doing their own little thing do have a way of even if they couldn't stop the charlemagne character they have a way of dragging down everything that follows <laughs> and like forcing it back into back into the churn right, right? um there's only so much you can directly control you have like to make these things like manageable you have to create powerful nobles who serve you and as long as they're alive after you've created them as powerful nobles you can count on them Right. How are the kids going to feel? Right.
1: Right. Gita, one of the things that you raise in your review is you know, we've just done a lot of praising this game for a lot of different things. Um, um, and in, in fact, one of the big things is, like you said, the fact that you can move the camera to the places that historically have been marginalized in the story of these years. You know, this is a, mm-hmm. when people talk about the medieval era, they mostly talk about specific parts of Europe, not even all of Europe, just specific parts of Europe are the stories yeah. that get told. And here you can, you can focus on these other places. You can focus on places not in Europe at all. Um, and, uh, and to that, it, it seems like, excuse me, it seems like it did a pretty good job. Um, but, you do write that there is a there is some degree of um, not cruelty, um, but maybe in pursuit of trying to represent a certain sort of a combination of things like ableism um, and and kind of religious um, uh, you know uh, enmity. There there does sometimes feel like there is a degree of um, I don't even know how to how to put this necessarily, but but there are ways in which by I representing those it. things, go ahead.
2: You can see uh, the, the sort of a modern viewpoint, sort of. You can see the places where this is a game that's made by people who live in 2020. Right. 2020 Sweden, mostly, <laughs> if we're talking paradox, but um, just in 2020 in general. Uh, this game has a character trait called obesity, but like health related traits, these sort of temporary traits that can gain and lose over time. They have their own separate category. Mm-hmm. This one doesn't give you a hit to attractiveness, but it does mean that your character will die sooner because they have health problems mm-hmm. um why are we calling this obesity though that's an incredibly modern notion of health just in general right. it is like a true notion of health for sure in some instances but i'm really curious about the math that causes my character to become obese uh i i, I don't where does that come from right. why does it happen i'm not sure there's another thing um Rob mentioned that your characters can become wounded. They can lose eyes. They can be ha- become one-armed and one-legged. I had one Marshall King who become became one-legged, and he took a hit to his attractiveness. And I've checked over my other gameplays. If you become disabled in this way, you do universally take a hit to attractiveness. And I just sort of thought, wait a second, this is a guy that led an army right. with one leg and right. just like ripped people's throats out with one leg. At a certain point. That's got to stop affecting him. He's the leader of this country, right? At a certain point, his one-leggedness is part of what makes him a great leader. Why is that still giving him a hit to attractiveness? Right. You know, that's a very modern, very able-bodied idea about attractiveness that I don't even think is universally true now and definitely wasn't universally true in medieval ages, You can just see the perspective of people looking back at history. It does such a good job of placing you in a specific time that when you brush up against those limitations of its imagination of how other people can be and act and what they can believe, Mm -hmm. it really just takes you out like a lot.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. That, and that had always been sort of tough. And I think one of the things that – the places that it works best and, – and here I can answer a question we had before, by the way, about Judaism um, – is when it says, here is a social norm. Here are the ways that you, the player, or people, characters, individual characters can overcome that normative ideology and – and either put something new in place or uh be the the you know one of the many exceptions to the rule or have this little corner of the world where things just work different um and so the two answers one i did look it up uh Judaism is in the game there are there are those like specific uh Judaic um uh, uh I, I said it before I've I seem to have lost the page I was on before. But there are like you can be a rabbinic Jew, uh you can have those spaces. Those do exist. And also you can create your own faith. Uh and and you can you can Create uh, – one, you have to be very pious to do this, uh, to convince yeah. the church to make no, – no, 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 There's
4: some headwinds to that strategy. I talked to God.
1: Uh, let me tell you about God real quick. Um, the second – the other thing that you can do, and this is – Gita, I'm like – I I feel like this is your goal. This has to be something you try to do. Is You can straight up create syncretic um, relationships between different faiths and be like, all right, this is the one place in the world where – Jews and Catholics can like chill completely openly, have intermarriage, have space where there's not necessarily yeah. hostility, though actually I say not necessarily hostility that 's not exactly right because the the specific thing you unlock with any sort of syncretic faith thing, whether that is uh, you know again there 's like ninety nine different religions in this game, so in between any of those things um what you 're doing is you're shifting you're shifting another f- your your um kind of domains perception of that faith from evil to hostile, which is basically yeah. not a huge leap, but it's a leap to where once you're hostile, you can start working with them and slowly make yes. additional changes. Yes. But when something is evil yes. to you in this game, that is it. There is no, you don't fuck yeah. with evil. Um, so, and it like, was
2: so rough. Yeah, with Africa, ahead. I was in this, I was trying to reform Orisan because I really liked that it was matrilineal and it was tolerant mm. of homosexual relations and also of witchcraft. I just thought, Hell yeah! You know, let's go. So it's so cool that I'm playing as this like <laughs> religion and I'm taking over like a lot of Africa. Unfortunately, Ghana had a patrilineal, a tribal religion, Acom, mm-hmm. and um, Ashari Islam, which is pretty very very patri- very patriarchal, was coming in from the West from the Middle East. There was also Muala- Mualatism, who which is a little bit less strict, but it was making its way into into Europe. It was going north, so I wasn't interacting with that probably would have converted to that because Acom and Ashari wasn't really jiving with the empire I created, mm. which was very dependent on it being matrilineal. So I needed to have a religion that was strongly matrilineal. Um So I kept trying to reform Orisa so I could move from the feudal ages into the medieval ages, or I can move from um, the tribal ages into the feudalism uh, and create a kingdom and start doing all this other stuff so I could amass a stronger power base. But you need like a level of, you need the, the, so this is what going back into what you're talking about, where you're not just juggling currencies like gold, you're juggling metaphysical currencies. Piety is a metaphysical currency that you have to do. You have to amass like the amount of piety you have to amass in order to make these religious changes, so fucking much. I bet. So much. You will be lucky if you do it on your deathbed, like that level. So it, it does show you, I think, the level of strain it takes to change these deeply embedded cultural, uh, like institutions and cultural signifiers. Uh-huh. But it also, like, hoof. Like, I just wanted Orisa to be nice, (laughs) to have, like, the ability to, like, like, actually take over this place.
1: Totally. Well, again, this is one of the things that's always been so sharp about this series to me is, hey, this is – these are ideas. These are ideas that people believe about the world. And so, of course, they can be changed. But also, these are ideas about – these are fundamental ideas about the way people see their world. This is their ideology. This is their worldview. This is not just – especially for this era. This is not just – um a set of things that they believe on holy days. this is how they believe the word f- world. Functions. This is physics. This yes. is, you know, this is as, if not more important than many other things that we count on today as the way we see the world. And so to change them does take a, a great deal of, of effort. Uh, I found the quote You can play as various Jewish movements, such as the Karaites or the Rabbinists. Uh, uh, and so they're in there somewhere. Uh, this is, you gotta find them, Gita. You gotta go find how to play. I
2: gotta do it. I'm gonna do it as soon as we log off.
1: Yes, of course. <laughs> I
2: swear to God. I need to do this for the love of my life. David, this is for you. Just <laughs> don't listen to this podcast, but I love you very much.
1: <laughs> um Yeah, no, I just there's this thing that's just like listen, when we left CK two there were like, you know, forty something faiths. This opens with ninety-nine, and then you could also create custom ones. <laughs> and that is the mm-hmm. that is you can like
2: reform old faiths. You, yeah, like, and there's like can there's you a bunch of shit.
1: Sects inside of what you think of as the big faiths, which is which is good. Like I yeah, I'm I'm down for if you
2: break down Hinduism, they have a every single <sighs> Hindu sect that existed out at that time so they have Vishnu worshippers and they have Rama worshippers right. and they have worshippers that only worship a trio of gods right. and they're all fighting each other all of the time <laughs> <laughs>
1: Lord. Love it. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to put more time into this. I'm very much of that thing of like, I'm waiting until, one, I have time because I've been playing a bunch of other stuff, but also until like, I want to be playing this game when people are playing this game and like trading stories and watching gameplay video and all of that. So I'm, I'm I don't know, Gita, if you saw this, Jack, Jack Dekeet and their partner, uh, Cap Rooster are going to start doing a CK3 Let's Play starting today. Yes. So I'm very excited for that. I
2: can't fucking wait. Yeah, so sure, Jack is a lovely human being, and this game is going to bring out parts of them that I am excited to see. Yeah,
1: I'm I'm very excited. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Oh my
2: god. Gita, Why did my robot vacuum just beep at me? Because it is.
1: Cause,
4: Cause it wants to remind you about your appointment.
1: Yeah, it wants to remind you of your appointment. <laughs> oh. We've already spoken about Crusader Kings for quite some time. We're going to take a break. Gita, thank you for joining us. Where can people find you
2: no problem. On,
1: uh, on, on the internet?
2: You can find me at XOXO Gossip Gita.
1: And again, you can go to waypointadvice.com to read the review. Crusader Kings 3 is a world of complexity that feels powerfully alive by Gita Jackson. And then you also have an interview coming, is my understanding. So
2: yes, sometime this week, that. hopefully you will see an interview. And it's it I wanted to talk to them about the things that newer players who are curious because of my review, what how to get into this game and what to look for in order to find the hook. So if you are curious about the game, but still need some convincing, this is a thing I think will help you out.
1: Incredible. All right. We will be right back with Patrick to talk to us about some other stuff. Uh, Gita, thank you for joining us again. All right. BRB. All right, we're back. Patrick is going to join us sometime in the next few seconds or minutes, but I wanted to sneak this in before he gets in and gets bored by another strategy game. Uh, I've been playing Iron Harvest, uh, the oh, the, yeah. the RTS <laughs> game based on Jacob Rosalski's uh, 1920 plus uh, art, which you might know from the board game Scythe big robots in pastoral scenes um uh pastoral you know uh, uh european you know early century uh uh that's the vibe right it's like a big stompy mech and in the foreground is like people tilling the soil um that's a, that's an rts that okay, it's like company of heroes uh, but it has it has a campaign that is like an RTS campaign. I've not played wow. one of these in so long where like here is your character <laughs> who is going through a story and that story right. is being told through fucking RTS levels, baby. <laughs> like you are in this is the one where you gotta prepare for waves to come attack you. This is the one where you gotta finally build a base and learn all the, you know, the the basic, you know, base building stuff. Here is the one that's kind of a stealth level where it's like you and a small crack team you like <laughs> work your way through. It's a motherfucking RTS campaign. Uh and that game's pretty good. That game's all right. I, I I had kind of written it off after that beta because I didn't have a, the, the, the demo that came out this summer because I wasn't super um, blown away by it. There was like that one mechanic that seemed interesting of picking up enemy weapons. Uh, you know, the RTS game, again, like Company of Heroes, cover-based. You have a couple of hero units like the Company of Heroes or the Dawn of War, Warhammer Dawn of War games. Um, and those are important because they can do special abilities and stuff. But um, uh, the 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 gist of it didn't seem that big, except there was this one thing of you could, if you had infantry in the field, they could pick up enemy weapons and change what class they were. So they could go from just being riflemen to being grenadiers or to cannon wielders uh-huh. or whatever, um, engineers. And it turns out that actually adds a lot of flavor and fun in. Specific instances were like, let's say you take an oil well, and that's important because it's a, it's a thing that you need to control. And the, the enemy had had, let's say, some grenadiers defending it. Um, and you had a, a unit of engineers with you to keep your mechs healed up. Well, then like, let me just switch to the grenadiers really quick. Cause I know another wave is coming in and I can use them to help defend this wave. And that actually feels really cool. Uh, instead of needing to go back to base and quickly like, throw together another grenadier unit, for instance, or they pick up cannons because they know mechs are coming in. Those cannons, they're heavy – they're like uh, uh, anti-armor cannons. So that actually feels really good. Um, I still don't know enough about the three different factions to know like what the differentiation is. The campaign starts you with Polania, which is your kind of Poland analog in this fantasy Europe. Um, and they're also just kind of like you're like they have riflemen and grenadiers and uh you know uh cannon wielders and and it's like very stock standard you know, here is your military crew um the I played a little bit of the Rusviette, which are like Czarist Russians with. Big stompy mechs, but also like exosuits. Um, and they're very, they seem to be very close range. So, like, they they don't have riflemen, they have shotgunners. They have the vanguard, which they throw forward. Uh, and so you're, you have to get in close quick. They're one of their like mid high tier units is like uh, infantry units in exosuits that can do the um the the kind of a space marine jump pack thing of leaping across the map not all the way across but pretty far across a distance and like you know jetpacking their way from fight to fight and fighting with like these big fuck off knives um uh and in general i'm just like it it, it is it is clicking for me a little bit better than it did in the demo i think partially because Like a good – like any good RTS, you know, uh, story, RTS campaign mode, there's some good tutorialization. There's a slow rollout of mechanics in a way that doesn't just put you in over your head. Um, And I'm kind of digging the story. Like – the the story it does the thing that, that you know, the sign of a good tactics game, it opens with a snowball fight. Uh you're playing this little girl at the beginning of the game who is like wants to play with all the boys and they don't want to play with her, and so she's gonna she's gonna like sneak around and hit her hit them with snowballs. Uh and then you uh you end up um becoming an expert sniper and it's it's there's a whole the arc the girl does? Yeah, the girl does. She ends up being an expert sniper with a pet bear who is a medic. What? It's
4: Oh, I know that girl. Yeah, you know her. She's yeah. on, she's
1: in the art. It's great. It's fantastic. That's um, awesome. Yeah, I'm so that's one of the characters. Dude,
4: this is flooring me here. Wow. Because like I played the beta. I yeah. played multiplayer skirmishes, and I was like, it doesn't have vibes. Dude, it, it has so it many vibes. Feel- Your dad is a secret
1: is a secret science a secret scientist who worked with Tesla. Like it's a whole <laughs> thing. It has vibes. You should play this game. That's what I'm gonna say. You should play this game. All right, we have to do a clap because Patrick showed up. Patrick, we snuck in another strategy game to talk before you got here. <laughs> Patrick is shaking his head. Uh, Patrick, are we gonna time that? Is
5: yeah, just keep this shit in, Kada. Yeah, I'm gonna leave. No, that it was, that, yeah, was oh, that was oh, that was the great. point. hundred yeah. percent. I know, but
1: even this, I'm saying this part too. Let's oh go. yeah, let's do it. This is a, this is how podcasts work. Yeah. Uh, Thirty nine. All right. Claps. Claps, 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 claps. claps, 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 claps. claps. <laughs> All right. Um. Hey, Patrick. Hi. We cut hey. that in, so I don't need to do a whole other intro. No, no, no. We're good. Let's let's just. How you doing? Right How was your weekend? It. Yeah.
5: It was good, man. I had, I had a good Sunday. It was a it was nice. a wonderful Sunday. My uh, youngest, like unexpectedly, took like a three and a half hour nap. Oh, love that. Day. My my oldest left me the fuck alone. <laughs> um, I got to, like, sit and, like, play. Like, I don't play any games on the weekend. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. Like, z- they, like, they they like went from, like, the time I play all the games to yeah. the exact opposite. It's, like, nothing to do with the pandemic. There's just no time to do it during the day. And then at night, that's, like, that's when my wife and, and I watch movies. So it's, like, yeah. that's what happens then. Then I go to bed. And so, like, woof, video games just don't happen. And so, uh, yeah, the fact that I was able to play, like, three hours of Moon this weekend was, like, oh, that's a – this is oh this this is what like uh, other people's Sundays are like? This is yeah, extremely nice. What a what a what a nice Let's just
1: dive this into is. it. Moon Remix RPG Adventure mm-hmm. is one of those games that is whispered about. I'd say even even, even more so than the like Mother Three this type This goes beyond stuff. Cults. You know what I mean. This is, this not, is cult. not this right. is right. This
5: is like a cult within a cult. Like the yes. cult inside the cult... There's like a small group of people going like, man, you know what? We're here to talk like for this, but like the real shit,
1: the real shit over here. You want the real Kool-Aid? It's over here. Uh, this is that. This is we use real sugar over here, um, and so this is a game that came out originally on in 1997 on I want to say the PlayStation, the PlayStation. Yeah, PS,
5: oh, it has. Yeah, you guys were talking vibes. You oh yeah, ps The strongest vibes. PS1 vibes. <laughs> you 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 boot up Moon. And you're like, oh, I've been transported. Right, totally to a very specific
1: time in history. <laughs> that's, wait, um, that's 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 Soul Blade. Sorry. Oh God, I love Soul Blade so much. I, we can't go. We can't go down that route. Wow, but mm-mm. that talk just, about lives. Just, just look up that intro. To, to just go original. watch up. Uh huh. One day. Oh, that, mm, I may have. Mm, I may have done a martial arts exposition to the intro song of Soul Blade <laughs> when I was a kid. <laughs>
0: Excuse me.
1: At a talent no, let's, show. Let's Let's it do a charity great.
5: stream Where we just only Play Tekken 3 And get all the endings Oh fuck oh,
1: That
3: the, sounds so good that's That was what like A year of my life
5: With my friends Well cause it, Wasn't it every time You uh, like you beat it You could unlock A new you like, That new was the character. whole thing In every Tekken 3 Every character right? Unlocked wow. a new yeah.
1: character oh, And both of them the Had endings It was the best feeling Oh that whole era became, Anyway moon <laughs> Same era, though,
5: honestly. Yeah, same era, I'm yeah, not, I'm totally. dancing around the same, totally. the same spot, 1997 uh, or whatever.
1: It was a game di- uh, directed by Kenichi Nishi, who had worked on a bunch of other stuff, including Super Mario RPG, Chrono Trigger. This is someone who comes in with a lot already of uh, RPG-like history and then kind of says and this is the way it's always been explained to me and you can tell me if this is a, is an accurate phrase that it's like the anti-RPG. That it's an RPG that's supposed to be like deconstructing a lot of what RPGs do. That instead of playing the hero who's come to town with a sword to save the day, you're playing someone in a world that has been beset upon by a hero and yeah, you have to deal yeah, with it.
5: Yeah, but yeah, basically like it's you know, it's the um uh, it's, it's a lot of like the staff that worked on this had worked on various JRPGs. A lot of people coming out of like the um, I guess not even Square Enix; it was just SquareSoft, probably yeah. uh, still at the time until the the Enix merger happened. Um,
1: was it also Enix people, or was it just Square people? Because like I Enix was doing Dragon Quest and stuff.
5: Yeah, but I mean, like it, in general, like this is basically like as a as a response to what it had become like a, a set of tropes, um, gotcha. in, sort of like you know established primarily by games like Final Fantasy and and Dragon Warrior. Uh, or Dragon Quest, um, at the time, and like, yeah, like the you play this. The game opens with this little boy who is who is playing an RPG. It's a it's a knight in big uh, clonking armor, and he's fighting a dragon. And then his mom comes in and says, like, you know, honey, time to go to to sleep. With like this very distinct. PS1 era voice acting where like voice acting wasn't common so like the audio sample is like busted as hell but oh, hell now yeah. it's, but now it sounds great because yeah. it's just like that graininess like that like that scratchiness to it is like is, is endearing um and the kid goes to bed um comes back the TV is still on he gets sucked into the TV um and lands in Moon World which is the RPG he was playing and yeah, this is a world that the, the moon has disappeared and they believe it's because of this dragon and there's this hero in, in his clunk and armor. Um, but yeah, he's just a prick. Like he <laughs> is just going around like busting things up. Um, he uh, has to fight monsters for experience points, but none of the townspeople understand why he has to kill these innocent monsters. And so these monster corpses are just littered throughout the world. Like there are just there's a bat. And like a Zubat or whatever, and just like he comes over and <clears throat> and like in this game, um, th- when the, the the hero defeats them, uh, like you know there's a gash mark in that in that uh, in that monster, and his corpse is just hanging out on the on the field of play. And so it's not it, it's deeply unclear to me what my role is in the story yet. Like it's not sure. Like you come in, this character granny, um, a grandmother recognizes you, puts you into to some clothes of uh, somebody that the rest of the world thinks died in a tragi- tragic accident a year ago. So you're sort of just kind of like pretending to be this person, and right. I, I don't Frisk. know exactly how. The majestic.
1: <laughs> we both went to yes. different places here. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> um, great.
5: So I, I don't quite know what is like going on there. Yeah, that seems like pretty clearly going to be part of like the ongoing. Uh, story, But yeah, it's 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 pl- if you've played like 90s RPGs, which is like what I grew up with. It was like I would go to the local family video and mm-hmm. yes, I read EGM, but mostly it was like I finished this JRPG. Like, where's th- where's the next one? Like, that's how I got conned into playing. What was it like Legend of the Legend Seven of- Stars? Oh, sure. You know what I'm talking
1: about? Fuck, I was going to say that Le- game. I, I was going to say Legend of Dragoon. Dra- Dra- uh, which was not that a good too, one, too. But I
5: just picked up whatever the next one yes. was. It was just so like Le- Legend of like, the
1: Seven Stars is the subtitle of Super Mario RPG, a game that people uh, like. What am I, so I thinking? It of? It's, a, it's a that.
5: it's a famously bad JRPG. I don't know. Someone will write in, and mm-hmm. but it, that's the thing. It was just like I I, I looked at the art. I was like, that's a JRPG. I know one when I see one. Um, whether it was a cart or whether it was you know uh, CDs on the PS One, like that was the right. era where I played a lot of those games. And so um, <clears throat> Moon is uh, all right. Let me just okay. Let me paint a picture, Please. Um, which is that. Uh, well, I won't paint a picture. I'll make a claymation picture. Um, okay. One, like there, there's a lot, a lot of, of the claymation. Ca- or there's clay. a lot of claymation in this game. The oh, enemies, the little monsters, are like these little claymation things. They don't quite fit into the world perfectly. It feels like someone just sort of like photoshopped them in yeah. in a way that
1: is is utterly charming. But there are other pixel art or hand drawn stuff in the game also. Yeah.
5: So like the when you're playing the. When the kid is playing Moon World, it's like traditional like uh, uh, pixel art that you would get from 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 a JRPG. Like a Final then, Fantasy
1: VI style or
5: Final yeah, Fantasy yeah. II style. Yeah, yeah. And then style. when you when you fall into the world, it's way more uh, Final Fantasy seven, where you're getting like these uh, like uh, pre-rendered backdrops that right. uh, don't have much resolution to them at all, um, but uh, now have taken on their own sort of like nostalgic aesthetic. Um, and then mashed up with yeah, you've got, like, these enemies that are made out of uh, clay. Um, so, like, I pl- I played a lot of Clay Fighter, weirdly, back in the day, too. Sure. That game uh, was not good, but I found to be charming in a twisted metal sort of way. Yeah. Um, so this game doesn't explain very much about what's going on. They're just, it, you, you're dropped in, in this, uh, in a dream. Some sort of, like, weird kind of clown figure says, you know what? You need to just put love into the world. And actually go collect the love that's already there. And that's how you're going to... Uh, become more powerful and I'm like cool whatever the fuck that means uh, alright time to go uh, play this video game and uh, the first area you're in is in this kind of castle area there's a bunch of NPCs uh, and I'm walking around and I, yeah, I maybe walked around for 3-4 minutes and my boy falls to the ground dies and it says game over and I'm like oh right like this is okay this is like a clever conceit <clears throat> like this is like part of the bit like I'm gonna get a, a mechanics gonna get explained to me um no, I just get dumped out to the title screen. Like, my character what? died. And I'm like, what What are you? What, what <laughs> happened? <laughs>
3: what?
5: I mean, quite literally, like, just walking along. The character starts, instead of running, is walking. Like, yeah. clearly they're tired. And then just passes out. Game over. Load your old save. <laughs> Nothing you did for the last couple of minutes meant anything. I'm like, what? What, what happened so i thought maybe well i thought maybe like there was a glitch like i was like i didn't i yeah. must have missed something mm-hmm. they that was uh, when i got code for the game they're like oh we're waiting for this patch to go live so i googled moon like a switch right glitch also part of the problem is like this game is because it's cult within a cult there's just not a lot of it written about it right anywhere there's, like, no, like, there's not many FAQs resources for you to go to
1: that's like here's there is through. okay
5: there is. i'll get to my problem with the faq <laughs> it's not the faq's fault um it's just the, the nature of the of, of the situation but um yeah it turns out there's just like a stamina meter that's going in the corner the game calls no attention to whatsoever <laughs> like it's just it's up in the left but there's a there's like a handful of things that are part yeah. of that interface and i was just ignoring it thinking They'll that'll explain explained it. at some yeah. point no. or when i died the game would be like aha like let's exp- yeah here's how you got here right. <laughs> um and here's why you died and instead actually i just highly recommend Going to the Onion Games Twitter account, um, which is the publisher of this Switch version, they have translated the manual, okay. and the manual is critical because the, this game does not really have a tutorial. Different there era. Like bits where, there are bits where they will allude to certain mechanics, but whereas these days, this game is going to make sure, like, games are going to make sure you know what the fuck is up, and mm-hmm. then, like, mm-hmm. this is exactly how a thing works to the point that you're now annoyed at how long it's taking to get to the next bit. Right. This is, like, the opposite, where, like, there may be a passing mention of how a system operates... And just immediately you're not going to internalize it. So go read it. You really can't spoil your stuff on the mechanics. And it's worth getting all that stuff understood up front because the way the game works is you – it's a sim. Like it's a life sim. Like you are uh, trying to solve sort of like uh, problems, ailments, quests. And as you do that, you earn love. When you earn love, you take that back to a bed. You sleep. The creepy clown meets you in the, in the, it's, you know, I'm being mean, disrespectful to the clown. He well, seems gotta, very, yeah. Um, seems very nice. This isn't like a, a Pennywise situation. Learned nothing from Dropsy. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you be like, your your heart grows. And as your heart grows, you can spend more time in the world. And so what ends up oh, happening oh, is sure. like the dynamic of the game becomes really interesting really fast. Where it's just to start the game. You can't spend more than I didn't like clock it. It's under five minutes. Like we were talking three minutes. You can be in the world before you need to hustle back to the bed and go to sleep. Um, And what that means is, is like, it sort of artificially restricts, your possibility space and so rather than at first i was frustrated until i started to wrap my like just like trying to adjust to the rhythm of the game and the rhythm of the game is like the reason we're constr- constraining you to this spot is because this is where you should be looking right like, so don't yeah you can go down this hallway and go all the way to the back of the castle but then you're gonna pass out and die <laughs> next to this telescope <laughs> right and so what you should instead be doing is like focusing on like who is around you what can you do <clears throat> in that space and like once you do that it's like oh right my grandmother said that she, uh, I don't know. I don't I don't know if she's my grandmother, but we're gonna call her that for the Granny. sake of the story that I'm at Granny. Um, I'm gonna she said, Go here's some money, go buy some bread. Did that, got some hearts, boom, upgrade. Um, which means I can stick around in the world a little longer. And what you then realize as you're sticking around in the world longer is that every character has things they are doing. So the world is progressing in the sense that oh. um for example, I uh uh, I uh, went to an area that triggered the hero uh, character coming out, th- throwing me to the side and heading South. I followed them and then they went and like fought like kind of a, a slime creature from uh, dragon quest. And, uh, I was able to, uh, then he busted open a, bol- a boulder and went below. And so I was able to, one of the main things you're doing in the game is like saving these monsters. So you can save the souls of the the, the creatures killed by the hero. And okay. so usually that means solving a little riddle. And so you'll walk up to the corpse of like a slime and it says, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, like it might be something as simple as like comes out at night um, or more complex in that... Uh, 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 is shy, and which means like you can't look at it when it's looking at you, and that's how you like work oh. your way over um, to the, cr- the creature's soul. And then when you grab the creature's soul, for whatever reason, a UFO appears, yeah. it takes that creature's soul away and says, thank you, they've been saved. Um, <laughs> and each time you do that, you gain some love. And so the next time that you sleep, your hearts will upgrade, which means you can spend more time in the world, which means you can be in the world longer, which means you can see more of the progression of someone's like daily routine. Um, but the like the boulder that was crushed by the hero, that part has progressed. So it's like okay. there are static elements and, and elements that reset. So the slime stays
1: dead. The slime stays dead. The boulder stays okay. destroyed. But people but, go about um, their daily lives as they do. If they have a yeah, w-
5: Wanda, who's running the, 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 the bar around the corner, like Fiona, who's living, who's running the flower shop. Like right. she's going to leave at the same time. She's going to go back to her bed at the same time. Um, And then the whole dynamic of the game is like as you're completing these little quests, then you can stay in that world longer, which means you can experience more of the day. And from what I understand, that like goes beyond just a single day cycle where like you can a parts where you're like sticking around for like a day, a day and a half, two days. I don't know what any of the fuck those symbols mean, Kato. (laughs) You just pasted something from – this is also something that – I didn't read the manual yet. So you you're explaining something to me that <laughs> it's I suspected in the manual. but One, didn't know. Okay. So the, 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 every day that you sleep, uh, it, it actually progresses to a different day, and it's not a Monday, oh. Tuesday, Wednesday. It's a solar day, crescent day, blaze day, tears day, blaze day, blaze, blaze day. day. Every day in 2020 has felt like a blaze, blaze day. day, yeah, uh, and yet also like
4: a tears day.
5: Yeah, well, you wake up blazing and you go to sleep tears day, um, leaves day. Co- Collins Day, I think it's coins. Coins, it has coins, to be coins, coins day. day, oh, coins right? day. Um, yeah. and, and it day. says one week is made up of, of seven days. And so, um, is there
1: Are there days when someone doesn't do their normal thing because it's, it's Echo Day? Three. And it's like, so yeah. So I've I've had dialogue
4: the encounters. Day everyone checks on their Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, sorry, the Echo Day logo. Every there's a symbol with each day. Echo Day is just straight up a Wi-Fi symbol. The,
3: before Wi-Fi,
4: side. though,
1: you know, yeah. I don't know what wi didn't exist. Did you know that the Wi-Fi uh, like symbols location, is actually? probably it's actually a reference to Echo Day. Uh the oh, people right. who made the Wi-Fi standards <laughs> big fans of Moon. Only
3: old heads. <laughs>
1: only only old heads know this. You love it. Uh and anyway.
5: So, um there have has been dialogue where I've encountered like a character mentions like, oh right, like I've noticed like this guard does this on Blaze Day. Um uh so my guess is I I'm I i have not done this yet, but because this is a game from, you know, the nineties uh, there's not like a quest log. And so uh, I thought I keep in my head that I need to, that I could just like track everyone. But now it's become to the point that's like, no, I need to get out my notebook or like my phone and just like start keeping a log, like here are the, the pertinent details for every character or like here's what they're up to because that stuff's going to start um, entangling with one another, especially as I can stick around longer in the day and night cycle. Like I uh, like just like a small example of how this plays out is um I finally was able to stick around long enough in the night where I could go return this ring to uh, Wanda, who's running the uh, the bar. She sleeps during the day, right at her right right at her bar. She's like she's ready to work as soon as the as soon as the moon comes up. Um, and she wakes up uh, at night, and I can return the ring and also come back to to go back to sleep. But as I do that, I see my dog or like the dog, granny's dog just bolts out of there and heads south. What mm. like, the fuck is that dog up to? Like that's what's happening constantly in this game. Is like right as you like do something nice for someone and it's all about doing something nice it's like solving someone's problems finding something for them it's it's helping them deal with an issue um, that like that allows you to stay in the world longer and solve more problems and then as you stay in the world longer you you really just want to like I'm going to go walk through an area that I only experienced in the day now I'm doing it at night like w- what are people getting up to and all sorts of things are happening and right. it's just a it's just a uh, a really fun uh, little game with really, really clever writing um uh, like it's a game about love but, like it has a lot of heart like that's like clearly like the the, the core um conceit of the game like the this game's I, the interview I have up on a site which I really encourage reading even if you're not gonna play this game um the interview um uh, with uh the game's writer uh Yoshio Kimura um who's really good friends with uh, Toby Fox, the designer of Undertale um they they wrote this game and uh it's just one of the my favorite interviews I've ever done, even though I did very little except come up with like eight, hopefully open-ended enough questions. <laughs> and I got like really tremendous answers in in response. Like, I just want to read just as a tease. Please. I think I want to read this uh, final uh, reply I, I asked. Uh, I said, you've been making video games for a long time. Why I keep doing it? And uh, Kamara writes back, um, I don't know. I honestly do not know the reason I'm making games. The fact is I've been forced to stop and even run away with it in the past. But as much as I think about it, I can't work out Why? I've tried making a living doing something else, like working part-time in a convenience store or a cafe, but it doesn't really suit me, so I've concluded it's the only thing I can do. Come to think of it, a long time ago during my travels, I met a guy in Alaska who ran a lodge, and he gave me this advice. If you ever feel stuck, you revisit what you loved as a child. I think that may be what I'm doing. At any rate, I uh, I think looking back at your childhood isn't about industries and markets. It's about looking deep into your heart. My loves were stories, music, and making games on 8-bit computers. I think that period of my life is where my soul lies. And it's being able to feel the impulses welling up from there, which is why I'm still making games today. It's a little difficult to put into words, but I hope that answers your question. Kamura, I think you nailed it. I think yeah. you put it into words. I think, I think you, I, you, yeah, swish. like granted, it's like a very common like Japanese yeah. like trope in lots of years, like I I really hope I answered that question. Like, yeah, please yeah, wait yeah. for more details. Like, but whereas like They gave, like, a really succinct... uh, (laughs) That's a fantastic uh, response. And, like, there's a lot of really beautiful answers like that. And this is a game that uh, Toby Fox has said Moon doesn't exist without... Or Undertale doesn't exist without Moon. And then what was revealed in this interview was that they became close friends. And one time when uh, Toby Fox was uh, over in Japan, basically just said, like, what's up, man? Like, get that game localized. (laughs) Like, what are you doing? And he uh, he was like, yeah, Okay. Like, and they had to find a hard drive with the source code because this is an era where in, in oh, Japanese right. games especially, they were just really, 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 uh, we're not Nintendo apparently because Nintendo, <laughs> if you hack into their servers, apparently they've got everything backed up um, just fine. But lots of Japan, lots of video games, but especially Japanese uh, games, you know, you'll hear this from lots of folks that are doing like compilations and stuff like that. Like just source code repositories were just not maintained um, during this era. It was a lot of like build the game, ship it throw it in the trash, build everything from the start all over again. Um, And they found this game like just like hiding on a hard drive, which is the whole reason they were able to even do um, this port without having to, you know, like build it from scratch. And so, uh, yeah, just a utterly charming, uh, uh, a game that's feels like so different than anything else uh, I've played. Um, So I, yeah, I, I cannot recommend it enough, but also uh, recommend like reading their Twitter account, reading the manual. And so, uh you know my brain does i don't like riddles like i just i just they're not a puzzle i enjoy i have i have a love hate relationship with puzzles in general despite liking a lot of puzzle games but riddles make me feel like it's just rare that like i look at a riddle and go like this is going to be fun i look at a riddle and just immediately feel like i don't i'm i i i'm not smart enough for this and i don't enjoy and this game unfortunately is all sorts of all the monsters are riddles like to solve how to like right. capture them is really just a lot of riddles and so you know, I, I have no problem looking at a walkthrough. The problem is like there's two walkthroughs. There's only two on on Game Facts. And one of them, I, I am going to endeavor to try and track the person down because the, the fact like it starts by just apologizing. It's like, I don't read Japanese. This is all kind of cobbled together. I really like this game, but it's Like my friends who sort of read Japanese are kind of helping me out. Like it's like just a a plea to like as an apology um, uh, for like what is or isn't there. Um, And it has a lot of the answers I'm looking for, but they're just like completely spelled out where it's like all I want is like a kind of a vague hint about like what to do about like this creature. Like give me like a, uh, you know, throw me in the direction of it. And instead it's just like creature colon exactly what to do and so like i spoiled like three different creatures oh. um in like trying to just like get a hint on what to do uh, next so if people have if, if people are going to play this or have played it and have recommendations i'd be curious to to hear otherwise um i'll just have to do my best uh with the with the uh the fact that spoiling everything but i
1: really for something different to play um I, I can't really. No, this that sounds great. Uh, one of these two FAQs, these two facts, is is by Duo Maxwell. Uh, mm-hmm. Game <laughs> facts user Duo uh, Maxwell, which is one of the Gundam Wing boys. So shout outs to 1999, <laughs> which which is when this was last updated. And also, yeah, that adds up. That's right. That's about when you would have the username Duo Maxwell on on Game facts. Incredible. Well, I, what
5: I love uh, about having done that is that uh, if you used Game facts, Uh, Back in the day, as I did heavily. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. You know, often it was hard to catch. Like, there wasn't, there wasn't like a rating system for the facts. So, the definition, at least this is how I like the definition of a good fact. Whichever one has the biggest file. Yeah, so how, it's how like, many does this six hundred K? That's a lot of fucking that's text. It. That means that's a good ass fact. All, everything so when I looked at these there. moon ones, I believe the numbers, you're looking at it now. I think believe one is seventy six K and yeah. one was ten K.
4: And you know I clicked on that seventy six K one before on. I clicked on that ten K oh, one. Yeah. Oh yeah. One
1: definitely. can say
4: at a certain point it is also covering the infrequently asked questions. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: one
4: Absolutely. can say that this is the only person in the world who's in an in interested in the answers to some of these issues
1: <laughs> listen maybe there's one other person you're going to connect to them on game facts and and create a lifelong friendship you don't know game facts is a community you know
5: well uh, that's o- often how those facts got like there would be like q a's and things that expanded the file size because like this i guess game probably had message boards at that point in the yes, 90s oh yeah like a lot of like oh yeah community building would happen directly in the fact itself so you would get this is always true. true of jrpgs jrpgs always had the biggest um uh uh, file counts but like you'd often get like yeah these long q a sessions that would like be buried towards the end um as as somebody would uh like work on a fact over the the course of
1: of years <sighs> bring back game facts i think it's, it's still there man i know but you know people now and if they make still, a walkthrough they make well, they a fucking bought, youtube i remember they yeah. b-
5: i believe game facts was bought by cbs when That's I correct. was at giant bomb and there was a, a uh um I believe the designer at Giant Bomb worked on like the Game Facts, like our design team yes. was like a big part of like they bought the editorial, but like they were really interested in like the excellent designers and UI folks that helped uh, sort of define early Giant Bomb, and they were really involved in that early Game Facts, and like, they couldn't have picked like <laughs> it's probably not who they actually wanted to work on it because those people were so committed to keeping the soul of like the Game Facts UI like down <laughs> to like file counts and things like that, which I'm sure was like not necessarily on like the whiteboard of like. GameFAQs 2.0 was like keep the file, make count. it like, look.
4: Yeah. <laughs> fuck you, Game. <laughs> yeah, me- GameFAQs 2.0 crossed out the two.
1: Yeah, exactly. God, uh, yeah. If you didn't grow up in the GameFAQs era, the, like there, there is just such a nostalgic feeling about that site um, because I think partly because it was such a resource, it became a sort of default place in your daily rotation of websites that you visited while you were playing a game because you were always – I was always there to look something up. I may as well click yeah. on boards. I may as well write a review yeah. of a game I'm playing. I may as well engage in that space because I'm there for other stuff anyway. And in some ways, it was like the watering hole of gaming for me. There were other forms I took place in. There were other communities I was part of. But GameFAQs felt like the default in a real way.
5: Well, and it had boards for each yes. game, yes. which was like – that was the defining difference. It was like if you're on like Usenet or – or other like early message yes. boards. You we are on an like IRC chan channel, like, yeah, yeah. They were general purpose, um, or like like a, a, a not that specific. It was like, yo, you would find I other ones. Wanna, I just want to talk about that flashing right. Eris sprite in the church. Right. Can we hack Can we that ha- girl yeah. back into the game? Um, and like, if I wanted, you know, sixty five pages about
1: that, um, the Final Fantasy Seven board was would be that uh, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly what what a time what a time to be alive well thank you for reporting on moon people can go read your interview uh, a game without killing the story of moon's 20 tier 22 year uh journey to leave japan it's up on the site now uh it's a good it's a good interview um let me hit you with an update to something from last week that i played i Please. played some more captain subasa uh <laughs> subtitle 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 rise of new champions um uh, i beat the captain subasa campaign and I'm now in the new hero campaign. Um, the main, the, the like just Captain Spock. What Spon- does that mean? What happened at the end? What I will tell you. Drama, I'm going to tell you a little oh, okay. bit. I'm not going to spoil right. everything. So mm-hmm. the this is the first time I've played a video game. During- <laughs> we might have to do a separate podcast
5: where like post pod, like, yeah. let's spoil this I'll spoil sports story. More. I need yeah. to know.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I mean, the, ju- I mean, you fucking know what happens. You, right. you win. Like, I mean, it's that's the story. <laughs> What do you mean? Like, but the, the thing about it is, this is the first time I played a game that really captures the feeling of an anime tournament arc. Um, which, if you've if you've watched Shonen anime, does this thing, and not just Shonen anime, but, but mostly Shonen, which means like um, like boys' adventure stories, is kind of like the mm-hmm. the broad thing there, and that includes everything from Dragon Ball Z to Pokemon, right? Like, there's a there's a, and those are different, but they're also very similar in lots of ways, right? Mm-hmm. And so the classic thing in these in these stories is you go to a tournament. You're you're teed up against a bunch of different enemies or different different you know opponents. Each one has their own story going on, or at least many of them have their own stories going on, their own arcs. You learn about the the secondary characters. You learn about your like this week or this mini arcs, you know, uh, rival or antagonist, and their stuff wraps up, um, and the hero progresses or some hero progresses further into the tournament. And eventually, they face off against their big rival or the, the, this current arc's big antagonist, and then you get you know, your conclusion. This game one understands that it has to break away from Tsubasa's perspective like, regularly in order to invoke the tournament arc feel, which means the cutscenes in between – Uh, competitions aren't just following you and your crew. They will cut away to give you information about the next team that you're playing, what their motivations are. We talked a little bit about, like, in the last, the last, uh, episode, the characters who were, like, your childhood team that you had to play against again. Um, I'll, I'll spoil one of these because it ties into the second campaign that I started playing. Uh, there's one that is, there's a team from the like north end of Japan where it's cold. There, the you learn that they like they practice in the snow. You learn that they are just like and they're just like regular guys. That's like the their vibe is. We don't have a superstar. We have one guy who's almost as good as Subasa, but he he didn't like grow up with a soccer ball in his hands. He wasn't hit by a truck and turned into a magic soccer god. He just worked really hard. And they have, they're like a mirror of your main team in some ways, um, in that they have like the same sort of people, the same style of like tropes in, in their, in their setup. And one of those is that they have like a team assistant slash manager who is this girl who is sort of like your characters or your team's like, you know, assistant manager girl. Um, and their arc is so heartbreaking uh i'm gonna spoil this one arc there's like six or seven of these in the campaign so i don't feel too bad about spoiling but jump ahead a few minutes if you don't want to hear anything about any of these Tsubasa things let's go they're the team from the north And the setup for them is they've worked really hard. They've got, they've advanced further than they, than anyone thought they would because they don't have like the big gimmick. You know, they don't have like the tag team pair of acrobatic strikers that could do wild jumps off the goalpost. They don't have like the bully who beats the shit out of the the people who play against him. He's just kind of good. And the rest of the team is just kind of good. And they just worked really hard. And in the cutscenes before the match, you find out that the assistant, who has a big crush on the the kind of the captain of this team, is leaving for America once they get knocked out of the, the tournament. Like, she got a letter from her parents that was like, we're leaving the second the tournament's over. Like, we your dad has this job. We've already delayed as much as we could. We have to go. And they eventually get into the semifinals against you, and before the match – she makes them all headbands with their names and numbers like em- embroidered into the headbands. They give a, there's a long speech about how they've all been playing together their whole lives. And this is the last match they're ever going to play together. If they if they lose, this is the last match we'll ever play together. And, we're, and, and it's like Rob, Rob's covered his face. It's Rob, they go around the room with these characters you've never met before. And it's like, you know, it's like June, you're going to go off and join your dad's, you know, machine shop. And, and you know, Toshi, you're going to go be a farmer and I'm going to go to college and this is the last time if we lose here this is the last time we're going to play together let's go out there let's win this let's win the next one and we can go out on top you know you'll always be my family for the rest of my life but you know how these things go we all go our separate ways and she hasn't the manager hasn't told anyone that she's leaving after they after they lose yet uh, and so you play this match and you're like I'm gonna beat the shit out of these
3: kids these kids
1: <laughs> are not as good as me and I don't want they should get to win they should get to win why can't they win and they in fact lose you in fact beat the sh- I beat the shit out of them i'd come off of a game against this guy who was like this big <laughs> bully who was like the first real hard defender to play against because subasa is just better and in that game the bully targets your fucking arm like it's a wrestling match like he's like i'm gonna keep hitting subasa in the arm his arm is fucked up also timeout. there is also an arc of this that is the most like toxic sports thing of Tsubasa gets hurt during this tournament and just plays through it and the doctor keeps being like you can't play through it anymore and his mom shows up to be like no if if my son wants to play soccer hurt you're gonna let him play soccer hurt no one's gonna stop him it's rough
4: it's called grit Austin
1: it is called grit there's a bit there's a bit where someone kicks a soccer (laughs) ball at (laughs) him chronic injury worked out for RG3 his fucking his his jersey rips to reveal the bandages beneath the 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 thing and you can see it's been Taped up and re-taped up so many times, and the whole team—he'd been hiding it from the team. And everyone's like, "Oh my god, you're way more hurt than we thought you were." It's great. Anyway, you beat the shit out of this team of really nice people, and <laughs> they're like, "I guess that's it. We tried our best. We went up against the best there is. What are you gonna do?" Hey, where's you know, where's our, our assistant? And she's gone. And and they're like, "Oh, you didn't know she left. She left to go to the airport right Wait, from gee, the arena. Irish, goodbye, hundred percent." And so she. So the captain is like, no. And he looks at, oh, he takes the headband off. He looks at the headband and there's three words written there. What are the three words? I love you there I love you and he's like I have to where is she she's at the airport he goes to the airport he gets a ride everyone's like we're broke we're children we can't afford a car to the airport but someone from the association drives to the airport they meet each other and and they they have a final conclusion she does have to leave still but he is like I'm going to like we're going to stay in touch we're not going to lose track of each other he does all that I'm like that's not going to happen there's no fucking way (laughs) I finished the campaign cut to me starting rise of new champions okay, okay so what's the deal with this mode and the, the that mode starts with some weird international soccer fallout there was supposed to be a, a tournament in europe i think germany or france was mad that they didn't get invited to the tournament and something happened i'm not clear on the details it was late at night when i was playing and i may have missed something but that tournament gets canceled and a new tournament gets thrown together that's set in america this is the premise of this of this mode <laughs> You create a new character with their honestly pretty fucking good character creator. I get to make a black character in this game that had like good hair, which is not what I expected from this game. Uh, and then you join one of the rival teams that you went up against in the main mode. And you get to decide what your position is. You get to decide like where you're filling in the gap basically – uh, so I chose that northern oh, team who I want. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and so I got to choose that team. Uh, and now we're competing to be on the, the, the Japanese team to go to America and play. And I'm going to fucking do it. I want to bring those two lovebirds back together, motherfucker. The end, there's a whole cutscene. It's like, we thought we played our last game together, but this special tournament keeps us together for one more month. So it's like, I left that main campaign mode being like, I'm so sad these kids are done hanging out and playing playing soccer together, and I get to be the one who walks in the door. You know, it's one of those things where one, one kid is like, I can't. I told my dad I'd go work on the farm this summer. I wish I could stay with you guys, but I can't do it. I'm like, ugh, if we don't have another player, we can't play. And guess, and they're like, Broom. wait a second. What about that first year? That first year's pretty good. We should try out that first year. Yeah, doom. Come on. Come on the field. <laughs> it's the awkward Walker see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's me. Argyle is here. Throws the door open. Shows out, it turns out, I'm the best dribbler they've ever seen. I pass really well, uh, and and this mode very clearly is like the main campaign mode because this is. Your team is not very good. You are not Captain Subasa and like the Wait, elite so squad. So where's Subasa and all? He's he's another competitor. He's off on another team still. You're one of his rival teams. You're either his the team where his main rival is. You're where the the team that I suggested. Or there's a third team who has like really good midfield. Oh, the kid who gets sick a lot. I think is the third team. You could be on the kid who gets sick a lot team. The the main like aggro rival or the listen one of the teams is just there's a guy who gets sick a lot and it's the guy who was heart <laughs> who has a heart condition. Which by the way turns out to be also a Madden thing. Yeah. I mean, he gets sick. When I say he gets sick a lot, I mean, he, I think specifically the way it's mad. I was thinking like
5: he gets the sniffles. Like, no, 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 no. he's got a cold again. No,
1: he has a a heart condition, which means he can only play the first half of every match.
4: But he's incredibly good. Maybe he should just not. I am really curious about the structure of this game, though. Like, is so, this, so is this the rest of the campaign? And like, Subas is going to kind of
1: off stage. No, he's in this tournament. I just haven't played against him yet. It's a, so this new tournament I mean, is a round robin. So it's not even just a regular tournament. And this is where it's not the tournament arc in that same way. You are just getting match after match a little bit more here. You are getting like a briefing on each team, but like you're just trying to score well in this round robin. Um, and you're leveling up your stats, you're leveling up your team stats, you're getting items to use to like boost your stats into the next match. You're getting closer relationships with other players both on your team and opposing teams. And that supposedly unlocks events, but I haven't seen one of those yet. That's also how you learn new maneuvers and new tricks and new like, you know, passive abilities and stuff too. Um, and that stuff's going up as I play matches. Which is so much more of an RPG than I thought it would be. Um, the fact that you're basically like, all right, these are the people in this tournament who I want to like chill with in my downtime and learn, pick up some moves from. Again, I haven't seen that actually play off as cutscenes, But it says that once you re- reach certain relationship things, you'll basically get either mini quests or events with the people you've leveled up your relationship stat with. So I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep invest investigating. But I just love that the main campaign left me with this hole in my heart. And then, or like the Subasa campaign left me with this hole in my heart, but then the new hero campaign was like, you can fill, you know who can fill that hole in your heart? You can fill that hole in your heart. Uh I was not expecting that, and and I'm very happy with it. And the game continues to be also, Rob, last week you asked, can you just score a goal without taking the goalkeepers? Like health all the way down, and I found out that yes, you totally can. You just really have to maneuver the the goalkeeper out of position and get a really good shot on goal. So it's possible. It's just hard. Um, so that's my Subasa update. I really still like that game quite a bit. I'm gonna keep plucking at it. It's it's cool to have kind of a low key sports game uh, that that you know you can just kind of it has it has such a good vibe, and that vibe comes from the combination of it being a light anime and also taking sports a little more serious understanding that sports don't stop on the field sports exist outside and the relationships and injuries and stuff do exist and they're not something you can like there's something that's part of the drama of sports and it's so rare that the a franchise mode in a in a sports game does that i know obviously you know, Madden and FIFA all have story modes now. And in fact, I think in Madden 21, one of the characters literally has a heart condition in that game. So it's not like they don't do anything. But I think all of that stuff is in like the high school or college phase. Once you get into this is the NFL, you don't get to talk about that shit anymore so much. Um, you got to protect the brand. And that's, that's, that's a shame. Whereas here, there's no brand to protect. You know, soccer is just is a medium for stories. So... Week week two for me and Captain Tsubasa. There will probably be a week three. Um, who else has got enough with stuff? Climbing, with climbing
4: the charts of, of games, I'm intrigued by. I'm, I'm digging uh, it, man. For, for sure. We
1: should see if we have another code kicking around, because if we do. I,
5: I, you know, I, I'm going to imagine there's not a ton of Western <laughs> press covering this game. I'm pretty
4: sure Namco would be happy to indulge Rob's <laughs> soccer fantasies. Uh, um, so I've been playing Control AWE. Okay. Uh, I published my thoughts on it today on oh, yeah. the uh, on the website. Um, I was thinking that we could talk about it, but I suspect I'm not going to be the only person who plays it. So you think we should uh, save so it? Yeah, I'll
5: play it this week if you want. Same. If we want to table it, can I know, get broad like, thoughts? Give us a high level. <laughs> yeah,
4: you wrote a review <clears> basically, so like, yeah. Uh, so there's a couple there's a couple things that jump out at me. One is that this is not like oh shit, Alan Wake has entered the franchise and is like a major character. It's, it's You're not, very uh, you much don't, still like... It doesn't drop you into Bright Falls. <laughs> no, no. And, and more than that, just tonally, it's like these characters inhabit separate worlds. Like this is almost like a ship's passing in the night type Ooh, expansion. Like okay. the two stories tangentially touch on each other, but basically it feels like this control DLC is just a catalytic event for whatever is the next Alan Wake adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, And so it's not like it, nothing in there is like, damn, now the Federal Bureau of Control under under Jesse Faden is really going to get to the bottom of the fate of Alan Wake. Okay. Alan Wake's fate remains kind of Alan Wake's problem. Uh, mm. At the end of this <laughs> expansion, we just get an update about the nature of that ending uh, to Alan Wake. And let me tell you, It is worse than you might think. (laughs) Uh, The ambiguity (laughs) of like, I'm not sure that's a good ending. Uh, It is is in fact not a very good ending for Alan Wake or any of the people uh, that he went through that for. Um, The other thing that's kind of cool is so like the main thing this expansion is doing is it is throwing out almost like prompts for new control adventures. Hmm. It is throwing out a lot of threads where it's like, this could point, this could lead to really interesting stories down the line, but it's not really telling that much of a story on its own. Um, And so it's kind of a weird, the analogy I use for my review is like, it's like an anthology, um, but like a really short anthology that you would find in like, it's, like the kind of anthology you might find toward the front of an RPG source book or something like that, where it's like, uh, here, all the adventures that are possible in the world of control, here's some antagonist factions you didn't know exist. Um, but in terms of what happens in the story, it's mostly like Jesse learns a bunch of these things exist. Um, the watch out I'll say is that, um, I am sure it is a pretty nice difficulty progression from, Control through Foundation up to A.W.E. But if you've been not playing Control for a couple months, uh, A.W.E. is like, I sure hope you remember to crowd control like impeccably and Mm. mix up your special abilities and weapon selection to just uh, keep from getting hammered by waves of enemies
5: Make DLCs that come out a year after the game's release. Just put in a little like, hey, what's up? You want to go to this arena for five minutes and just Um, have us walk you through the gameplay,
4: please? You know the little suicide bomber enemies in this—the little floaty guys who float up and explode in your face. (sighs) Yeah. 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 Um, get ready to fight a billion of those things uh, while you're trying to deal with like boss characters and such. (laughs) Um, so that's that's the thing is like, there's a lot of cool stuff here. There's also a lot of This is advanced control studies, and if you're rusty, it's kind of aggravating, and their encounter design is very much like, what if we just do three waves of that, of escalating difficulty, and if you fail it, you re-rack the whole encounter.
5: Well, there was a little too much of that in the original game to begin with. I know that uh, they actually just put out a patch for the base game where they were like, ah, you guys want like twice as many checkpoints and also checkpoints that are near a boss so you don't have to do a <laughs> Dark Souls run yeah. to get to back to a boss. They finally yeah. added um, some of that stuff to the game, which it now is probably a good time if you haven't played Control, like to even just play the base game. Like it's fu- like you can do it. But I, there were pain points in the original uh, design structure that uh, I'm glad have been ironed out a little bit. But it sounds like you'll be better off if you're playing from scratch and then getting to that end game as opposed to. Me, who's probably just gonna right, probably have to face the same encounter twelve times until it I, f- till I figure it out.
4: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's not so bad. Like it, it comes back. Um, whatever your go-to strategies are, they will still work. You'll you'll get back to them real quickly. Um, like but, finding but, yeah. a shield power up, that yeah. you know might be yeah. crucial to playing the video game. Yeah, I used my. Um, did you find that? that you, did you find
5: it the second time around? <laughs>
4: yeah, of course. Okay, okay. Right. Good. I'm surprised I missed it. It's like right there. Right. I just refused to go down <laughs> a hallway, basically. I was like, eh, nah, I'll get it later. And I never did. Um now I'm now I'm fully spec'd out. Uh I've got everything that uh, I you possibly want. But no, it's uh like it's it's more cool control stuff. Also, if you like the character of Langston, and I did, um mm-hmm. some real good like Langston content. He's kind of your vo- the voice in your ear for this expansion. Uh but at the same time I kind of finished it. And and it's like this with every subplot. Every single subplot in this uh in this DLC, it feels like it's starting to get good. And then it's like, well, that was it. Hope you enjoyed. And yeah. it's always like, oh, but we were just getting to the really good part. And they're like, no, that was the whole thing. Uh roll credits. Incredible. Well, I'm I hope a- go ahead.
1: I just had a quick question, like, uh, mm-hmm. mechanically. I was wondering whether or not it's separated from the foundation in that they don't use that, those those power, that is, like, a specific power from foundation. Do you see that crop up, or is it just, like, you can
4: play that on its nope. own? Nope. No, No. C- no foundation enemies, I don't think, and uh, no I foundation could, powers. The, the crystal's spawn, but, like,
1: yeah, I guess it doesn't that important to pull forward but yeah it's just one Also I
4: guess it you know I guess the foundation stuff was more like proximity to the astral plane whereas this is very much like um you're in the part of the agency that's very much like field agents right and so it's just real basic control stuff which I like
3: Yeah
1: totally and that is your uh you are still completely in – I guess I shouldn't ask this. I guess that's a spoiler. I'm not going to ask that. If you, if you, you, I was going to ask if you just stay in the oldest house the whole time or if you do get yeah, of the Yeah, you're in a field, new part but, of the oldest house. Okay, it's like okay.
4: you, you go to a new department that okay. did their own thing, um, and it's basically like you're going to the field agent's department.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, cool. Well, thank you for the update on that. Uh, I feel like there was one other thing we wanted to touch today, but now I'm not I'm not finding it, and that's worrying. I feel like something's uh. been erased from my brain, and that's strange. <laughs> I feel like I've been uh, some sort of weird control thing has hit me, and now I'm I'm lost. We didn't talk last week. I don't, I don't think Halo Infinite's coming out anytime soon. I'll tell you that much. Oh,
5: why? Because they, uh, you know, uh, was it Joe Staten? Staten? Oh, they Staten. brought in
1: right, 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 right. Do you want to set that OG, up? like, yeah, one of the uh,
5: original kind of, like, world builders for Halo 1 through 3, um, uh, one of the lead writers at Bungie that was, like, you know, critical in developing that that world and those characters, uh, stayed with Bungie through, helped, you know, was cracked to the universe that was originally for Destiny, <laughs> and then famously, or I guess infamously, depending on your perspective, um, like, you know, not long before the game was finished, they kind of, like, stripped out a lot of that stuff and went in a, Kept elements of it, but went in a different direction. Like has, the whole story has not been told. He was I the guy on.
4: who had the good stuff in Destiny, right? That like you can still find traces of. Isn't isn't of the a theory
5: a, that like yeah, like a lot of the good lore mm-hmm. is is him, right. and it was stuffed into cards and the stuff that remained in the game. I, you know, I don't know. If that's <sighs> that maybe be being sacrilege. Like uh, that game is dealt was really messy uh, early on, but um, he left uh, Bungie uh, when all that happened. When it seemed like there was some sort of like Bungie was like, we're good without a bunch of this stuff and we're going to go in a different direction. And he went to Microsoft and I think it was just like a, like a kind of in a producing capacity was working on a bunch of different um, things there. Um, And then, yeah, late last week they announced that he is going to come in and be in like a senior leadership role, like a top of the line uh, person overseeing Halo Infinite, which uh, you know, there are folks like uh, Rod Ferguson who have a reputation of as like a closer, mm-hmm. like someone you bring in to like have a mismanaged project packaged together and get out the door, which is maybe like ominous that he went to like Diablo 4 when they were saying like, we're not coming out for another three years. And it's like, <laughs> or maybe that's good. Maybe you bring in that guy early um, to oversee that project. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know that, you know, this is necessarily the role in Halo Infinite, which this is like uninformed. Don't write any headlines about this. uh, uh, about, but it just strikes me as you don't make that kind of change if the game's coming out in March, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that feels like maybe I'm wrong. Um, and maybe his work will be more long tail. It's like, yeah, um, and they're just not gonna, they're just gonna try and get the game into, you know, shipping position. But I guess, I guess I wouldn't be surprised also if suddenly they announced early next year, you know, what We're really is gonna give this guy this game the time it fully needs to cook, and we'll see you in, you know, holiday 2021. Um,
1: but yeah, right.
5: interesting, interesting choice. All told,
1: um, yeah, yeah. I remember the other news thing that I wanted to hit before we wrap up. Go, mm. uh, y'all see this intro to Elite Squad? Oh,
3: this
5: Ubisoft. Christ. Oh, this is this like this is breaking on Friday at Friday evening. Yeah, we didn't yeah, get to yeah, cover it
1: at the time, but it's worth just. It's worth. Shaking my head about verbally here. Yeah. Uh, Ubisoft had announced a few months ago, or maybe it was maybe that was last year, but I think it was it was at their event, I think, at the beginning of the summer, uh, a a sort of Tom Clancy crossover mobile game called Elite Squad. Uh, and the I don't know if that's out or if the intro just dropped, but boy, the premise of this game is that the the world is in chaos. Which, okay, so far, so good. Um, There's a lot of corruption. There's a lot of, uh, you know, inequity. uh, And a group has raised to confront it, and they are called Umbra, Mm. and they want to, quote unquote, build a new world order, uh, and they are promoting, or at least they are claiming to promote, quote, an egalitarian utopia to gain popular support and as this this intro is happening, and, and you know, you know where this is going, it turns out actually they're they're the baddies uh a lot of raised black fist iconography is up on the screen. Uh, you learn that they are actually manipulating things, uh, to make things worse. They're staging terrorist attacks, uh, just at the same time that they're, that they're funding, you know, uh, protests. Uh, they hijacked social media to discredit world leaders, quote unquote, and rally people to their, to their cause. And so what the Clansverse has decided to do to stop them is (laughs) create, uh, uh, an extrajudicial kill force comprised of all of the various extrajudicial kill forces that already exist in in the Clancyverse including Rainbow <laughs> Six Ghost Recon uh Splinter Cell uh you know all the, the all the, the the division Only there was an
4: international Chicago police yeah who also <laughs> literally <laughs>
1: incorporate the drug cartel the ba- oh. the bad guys from the from Ghost Recon are also part of this international
4: organization because they have to work outside the law. They got it, right, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, have to find that's, people who don't. Right. Yeah. When I
1: say extrajudicial, I literally mean it. That's not me being interpretive. The premise of this game is we need to disregard the law to stop. It's you know what it is? It's it's amazing. Uh, they, they anticipated that really bad Andrew Sullivan piece and said it turns out we need to be fascist. Which one? Yeah, which fucking one? Good point. <laughs> Um. Uh. It it sucks, man. And so they've they've since apologized. They can uh, Ubisoft. No. Well. No. They didn't. No. They did. You can't. They bell no. They're no. like uh, the, the premise fist is a bad choice.
3: That's exactly the it. The premise
4: is a the bad choice. The premise
1: is the thing. Yes. They've come out and said well, we'll remove the fist, but that's not the fist. <laughs> the fist is honest. This is what you're saying. Yeah. You are saying that Black Lives Matter and associated left movements are actually an evil conspiracy, or at least that's the premise of the game, is what if they were? I'm just asking questions over here. Uh, what if we could uh, have people go kill people on behalf Jesus of re- regular Christ. folks? Well, Listen, it just happened, y'all. This, this is a thing people believe is happening that has resulted in protesters being shot to death. Last week, you, you gotta just, you have to not just read the room. You have to do better. You have to understand that you are not just working in the realm of like fantasy. You are working in the realm of analysis and speculation with this shit. You are not just saying, what if there was a world? You are. Agreeing with extant ideology that is believed and actionable today.
4: <laughs> I just don't know. Like you're not like, playing with matches; you're playing with fire. That. like, that's yeah. what. Of course, me out they about are. Elite Squad is like right. it's so on its face that it's like, oh no, you just you just sat down and you were like, from concept through execution, it was like, you know, what we should do is we should make a game about what if uh, Rainbow Six was just turned loose, gloves off against the popular movements uh, that are in the streets today, right? Um, And between this and the really bizarre and darkly paranoid marketing around the new black ops game. Yeah. Um, It
3: really is sort of
4: recasting about like what has been going on with these uh, military shooter action game franchises uh, for, for years. Right. Because like the veneer of their, their approach has always been we're big, dumb action blockbusters, Mm -hmm. right? We are so preposterous and so stupid that we can't really be taken all that seriously for our politics because they're cartoon politics. It's like analyzing Rocky and Bullwinkle for, uh, you know, a commentary on, on cold war thinking. Uh, But at the same time, like now you look at like what they're choosing to make right now. And obviously there's a lead time. These things are in pipelines for a while, but you know, even so it's really fascinating that just as sort of, The conspiratorial wave is hopefully cresting. Hopefully this is it at its crest. But as this thing is really starting to get out of control, all these purveyors of military uh, action games Uh are starting to really play footsie with the idea of like, you know, what if all the bad things that oppose just outright authoritarianism uh, in our daily politics what if they're all connected by shadowy left-wing groups? Uh, and what if they're all long-term, like, fifth-column strategies to destabilize our great and perfect nation? Um, what what would be off the table for combating that? Uh, and it's deeply creepy. And it's also revealing that, like, in Elite Squad, there's not even an intimation of, like... Well, what is it we're protecting, right? right. There's not even an argument right. of like, look, here is the flawed system that we believe in and here's why we stand by it and why we can't let people just tear it down. Yeah. Not even a need for a counterargument. All we need is the justification that like there's no way all these protesters in the street actually uh, are judging that the status quo is intolerable. Um, they must be put up to it. And the only way to stop them is to turn drug cartel like warlords against them. Right. Um that's that's grotesque. And then role playing it on your Twitter feeds. I don't know if y'all saw
1: that thread. But like all of the different accounts, did you did you see this? Did you no. know? Oh my god. Uh all of the <sighs> different all of the different uh like Rainbow Six accounts and the Ghost Recon account and Play the a Sorkinverse thing? Yeah, they all talk to each other in character. They were like We I need backup and the Rainbow Six account was like, you know, Rainbow Six is ready to take on terrorists anywhere in the world. And like, it's the most like branded, you know, just like smelling Shit. your own farts bullshit. Um, I, I think a lot about there was a piece that Heather Alexandra wrote, uh, for Giant Bomb back when I was still there and doing some of the, some of, oh, you know, I guess maybe this was after, hmm, this would have been right, this was like right at the end of my, my Giant Bomb tenure, I guess. Um, uh, she wrote about this specific fantasy, uh, in a piece called Turning in the Badge. Uh, it's worth, it's worth digging that up. Um, she writes, uh, what makes Mass Effect Mass Effect's Commander Shepard, such a dangerous enemy to have, isn't her combat prowess, her cadre of companions, or the knowledge she's gleaned from an ancient alien beacon. It's the fact that she, function- she functionally has free reign to do whatever it takes to get her job done. There are other crack soldiers in the galaxy, other great scientists, but they can't take a cutting-edge starship and a sniper rifle and decide to make things right. Commander Shepard exists outside of the law because that's one of the ways you make a character magical. You free them from the obligation to pre-existing moors. You let them kick in the door, blow away the bad guys, and no matter how vicious they become never take away their authority. Games go out of their way to anoint me with exceptional jurisdiction while going to great lengths to assure me that the power I wield is rightly invested and granted. Very rarely am I asked to wrestle with the grand powers that I've been given in a significant way. Exceptions exist and include the examinations of power found in Dragon Age Inquisition's judgment scenes, the endless management of the Phantom Pain's mother base, and the good cop, bad cop pull of sleeping dogs. I don't think it's a coincidence that the techniques the te- that this technique sees a lot of use in the 21st century media. It's a natural reaction to fears of terrorism and other nebulous evils. It's an understandable anxiety that arrives across political leanings. Could something have been done before tragedy struck? Could I or someone else be doing something now before it strikes again? And so to combat enemies that don't follow particular moral codes, we look to heroes who are similarly unbound. However, the paths these hero walk aren't as black and white as games lead us to believe. Nothing is ever that simple. Um, That specific thing that happens of like, again and again in games, you get to be the solution is part of a broader technique and ideology of individualism that, again, has shifted from the sort of background radiation of – like conservatism in this country or in the world, that idea of like everything from pulling yourself up to your bootstraps to saying that when something bad happens, it's because one person has done something bad. This is the common response to a shooting: is like, oh well, you can't stop this; there will always be bad people. That's the same ideology of there being an exceptional individual in the sense that there's an ex- this person is an exception to the rule of the norm, right? Um, but in the last you know few years, I don't know how much more it could become clear that. That same ideology is toxic in this active way that produces people who want to be the rule breaker to reinforce the rules uh that is the that is like core to trumpism that is the like core to and it's a sort of twisted utilitarianism right it's it's by any means necessary and those means include shooting people you believe are leftists in the street running a car through a, a crowd of protesters uh electing someone who is going to put people uh in in or worse conditions than they've even been in before and and that stuff is it's it's so hostile to so many people that to also make it our core fantasy in games is, I think, increasingly dangerous – Increasingly, and and to some degree, this is why I I was so bought in, or not bought in, but so optimistic, so interested in the idea that Ubisoft, the the purveyor of these games of this fantasy, was also going to make the game without a protagonist in Watch Dogs Three, which I now have so little faith in because of the last year of Ubisoft stuff and Rob's preview of the of the game. Um, and it's just I I don't know how to how to tackle or struggle with this thing because it's everywhere in this space. It's I don't know when this when I mean I this specific thing you can target and say, well, okay, this is clearly over the line, but this specific thing is also the end of a long running logic that produces this sort of thing eventually. You know what I mean?
4: And the fictional framings for these stories never mitigate the real world like allegories that they're that they're playing around with. Mm-hmm. So like for instance, let's go back to the two thousands version of this, which is the Jack Bauer. I to say
1: the twenty four. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: And the thing that made like so within the fiction of twenty four, Jack Bauer was a character who, whatever he did, like the politics of the show were toxic. But whatever he did, he was doing on his own recognizance. Like he would face the consequences. He would break the laws. And it was like, Jack, you're out of control. Jack, there's yet another warrant out for your arrest to stop you doing whatever you're doing. And he's like, no, damn it. I'm the only who <laughs> can stop, you know, the nuclear attack from happening. Whatever. But the fantasies these things feed don't imagine... Truly individual actors like being the person who steps up and prevents injustice. And that's not the vision of heroism they want. What they what they really lust after is the imposition of power and authority yeah. on people they deem as the enemy and that people who wield that power and authority should in every sense be shielded and respected and revered from the consequences of utilizing or misusing uh, that power and authority. And so you don't have the notion of like um, the you know the, you don't have the the you don't have the argument that people sleep soundly in their beds because there are hard, there are rough men ready to do violence on their on their behalf. It's more like uh, we need to make sure rough men sleep soundly in their beds <laughs> so that they're capable right. of doing violence uh, on our behalf. And that's kind of the inversion. You tell these stories about these characters, and the the politics that maps to in the real world are those of insulating authority from consequence, right? And from any sort from of from criticism,
1: even right? Yeah. Like not even from consequence. the 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 world is filled with people who will get mad if you complain about the cops. Not even if you're like, forget about abolish the police. Forget about defund the police. At the point where you go like. The police as an institution is kind of fucked, right? No, absolutely not. Shut the fuck up. Those people are out there dying for you every day. Quote unquote, which we know that's not true. Statistically. Statistically.
4: Not, not particularly. You
1: know who dies for us every day and doesn't get, uh, don't, no one wears a ribbon for them is truck drivers. That's a big one. Uh, 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 nurses, right? Like there's a lot, there are a lot of people in, in the, the quilt of the world. Uh, people who die for us every day, uh, people who are working in cobalt mines. Those are the people who die for people here in America every day and who no one fucking talks about, right? Uh, it, It is infuriating and, and it is, it is, this is like one of those things that makes me, it makes it hard to connect to the entirety of the game's space because this feels like mask off more than it feels like ex, more than it feels like exception, right? This, this more feels like, oh, right. This is what's at the heart of the division. This is what's at the heart of Ghost Recon. Uh, wild, you know, uh, 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 Wildlands, or the the most recent one, whose yeah. name I've already forgotten. Um, What's
4: missing is it just doesn't even have that veneer of de- deniability. Exactly. Where like the division is careful to be like, you know, this could be a pretty scary concept. Witness these bad, division yeah, bad divisions. Bad You need yeah. to go after. Yes. See, it was a. You know, with great power, Mm -hmm, uh, maybe mm -hmm. this wasn't such a good idea. And if you're a liberal, you can be like, hell yeah. All right. I love running around New York, just like armed to the fucking hill (laughs) and just like blowing people away. This is awesome. It's so snowy and Christmasy.
3: Even the
1: the division two, especially even has the like, oh. This is about building a community in the face of crisis. Look, we're, I'm saving this. Uh, how can you complain about saving this little girl and bringing her back and hooking up a video game for her to play with?
4: Right, like, there but is it's the qu- equivalent of that little fucker cleaning graffiti in Kenosha, right? Where it's like, right. would a bad person clean graffiti? And it's like, <laughs> yes, because yeah. a bad because bad people care about graffiti. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Actually, like, those are the people.
4: Yes, like if, if one of the things that outrages you is graffiti, you're a piece of shit. <laughs>
1: get them rob let them know <laughs> anyway uh yeah uh, an especially frustrating thing especially right now and and i don't know we'll, we'll see that game is gonna come out that game's gonna probably make you millions of dollars if not more on the mobile yeah, market i wouldn't be so sure eh, listen the mobile market is just i don't know we'll see we'll see to be,
4: yeah but you also have to be good like you, you have to have some i don't know no, I don't but know now people are gonna
1: now you is. know that those motherfuckers are gonna play that game because it was the one that said the truth about black lives matter
4: no, that's true. Yeah. You know
1: what I mean. It's now a beacon. It would, tr- it would trigger the libs. It would trigger the mm-hmm. libs for for me to be a whale in this game. <laughs> Damn. I was gonna say. Becoming fucking, a whale in Elite Squad. To yeah. Trigger the li- yes. Yes. <laughs> 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 fucking pulling on the gotcha to, to trigger the libs. Fuck off. Ugh. Anyway, uh, let's let's hit one – let's hit two quick emails. I want to keep the restaurant rivalry and bad bosses thing alive uh, for as long as we can. If you have questions or or comments or these, you can send them to gamingadvice.com. First one comes in from Vincent who says, I have a bad boss story to share. Though it's unfortunately more grim than anything – Last year, I worked at a warehouse of a popular river-based online retailer. While my day-to-day, which <laughs> oh, no. uh-huh, while my day-to-day wasn't as bad as stories out of U.S. warehouses le- uh, had led me to expect, though I certainly heard some shit from people working and packing up orders, the complete disregard from management towards us workers was very much felt. The most cartoonish example of this came when one day a coworker came in visibly beside herself as she'd gotten news that her terminally ill husband would be dying very soon. Much of the time ahead of our of our morning meeting was spent with people, including our supervisors, consoling her. Right after the meeting, I made my way to my supervisor's desk, desk to clear something up uh, where I overheard her say about our grieving coworker, quote, I don't know what her deal is all of a sudden. She's known this was coming for a long time. These, this extreme lack of empathy from someone who had just been pretending to care just minutes ago shocked me more than anything else I saw there, and I am so glad to be out. Um, uh, there's a bonus here for food drama bonus. A couple of years ago, two brothers who ran a donor, a Donair uh, kebab place in my hometown got into a dispute that led to one brother splitting off and taking over the struggling butchers next door, turning it into a combination butcher slash Donair kebab shop. Unfortunately, I don't know if the dispute was over or if it ever resolved, but both businesses appear to coexist peacefully now <sighs>
4: honestly <laughs> a shitty boss a combination butcher kebab shop yeah. would be like the greatest thing to hit my neighborhood uh,
3: like <laughs> like order I would the take meat that there over, like, and they that. make the kebab uh, right there. You yeah, there, there yeah the fresh. you
4: know
1: the meat is good that's the thing yeah. you know the meat is good um, this is my... Fi- that's a good... Sl- write that down and kind of add that to our secret mm-hmm. document. You know the meat is <laughs> you good. You know a the good, meat is good. That's a
5: good slug. <laughs> uh,
1: this one is a grateful rivalry one from Michael. Hope it's not too late for restaurant rivalries. One of the weirdest ones I can remember involves the original B- Brooklyn Water Bagel Company. Their deal is that they have some kind of advanced machine that purportedly takes ordinary tap water and transforms it into authentic Brooklyn tap water, which Just is claimed to improve this. their bagels. The rivalry so you're part
4: playing on that shit story.
1: Oh, yeah, right? 100%. The rivalry part is that one of the founders of the company went rogue and started the, quote, famous New York Baking Water Corp. He created his own clone of the machine and sold it to a pizzeria in Lake Worth oh. to... His own, you know, like a clone of the machine, you know.
3: Yeah.
1: yeah uh, to to uh, to he sold it to a pizzeria in Lake Worth to use with their pizza dough. The bagel people, including his son-in-law, sued him in a lawsuit that described uh, that he described as a, as a schmear campaign uh, with more <laughs> holes in it than the company's bagels. <laughs> uh-huh.
4: Did
3: he call it a? Yeah.
1: Did you mispronounce that. No, 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 no,
3: no. They did not. Come on. <laughs> they called it a
1: schmear <laughs> campaign. We have a little more faith in humanity. With quote. More holes than the company's bagels. Uh, Sources, there's some sources here, the Sun Sentinel and Perishable News. Uh, (laughs) Perishable News, (mwah) I love it. I love that there is uh, a food service news site called Perishable News. Um, uh, There's links here, again, uh, there. I don't know what ultimately happened to the pizza place. There's all kind of weird stuff going on with the bagel place, though. A few years later, a franchise sued claiming that the Brooklyn water machine didn't do anything. They They wanted to depose Larry King who apparently was an investor in this company. The thing is, it's a fine bagel place, and the stories are, are still around, although I don't think they had a, the national success they wanted. The bagels are pretty good, especially for suburban South Florida. If you order a lox, they'll give you a lot. Uh, or sorry, if you order <laughs> lox, they'll give you a lot. And the iced coffee has coffee ice cubes, which is nice. Mm-hmm. That sounds all right. Wait, what They have coffee ice cubes.
4: Like ice, frozen coffee. Frozen
1: coffee as your ice cubes in your – coffee. Yeah.
4: Don't water down that. Yeah. What the to change. What the fuck it. am I doing? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, of course. You don't do this. It, wait. Wait, hold on. Does every, is everyone on this podcast know about this? Yes. No.
1: This is a classic thing. You make it. Okay. You, you use one of your ice cube trays. You put uh, iced coffee in it. You freeze sense. it. And then you don't water down your iced coffee. I just make a concentrate <laughs> so that it needs to be watered down. Sure. That's also possible. You could also just do that. But you, you fix it at the top end of the bottom. Then you don't get the
4: right. ice swirling around. You know what yeah, I mean? You get that nice, uh, oh. I just did order some extra ice cube trays. There you go. <laughs> I'm, like, I, I decided <laughs> oh, yeah. I couldn't do with the fridge uh, the fridge door <clears throat> ice cubes anymore. Done with that life. Yeah. Um, Getting some proper cubes. But I didn't like the ones I got, so I got different ice cube trays. Anyway, point is, I'm now going to have <laughs> many, many ice cube trays.
5: I like that, that the, everything uh-huh. about Rob's life. It's amazing. even to
4: the ice cube trays like I just
5: imagine in, in, in a corner of your house there's an increasing stack it's like rather than, like returning them yeah just like no 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 we'll just get more, more of them more trays I'll come up with a plan I'll there'll be something I can use these ice cream trays so now there,
1: there is I have one more email here that's nothing to do with anything we've talked about before but is in the, is a travesty that we should address Craig writes are remakes slash director's cuts going too far dear Waypoint crew Sylvester Stallone said he wants to remove Polly's robot from the director's cut of Rocky 4 okay Dan this would be like removing the, the baffling mission design and checkpoints from Mafia. We need a change.org petition to save Paulie's robot. Someone has to talk some sense into Sly. Thank you for all you do. Please help save the cinematic robot, Craig from Philly. People who didn't see Sylvester Stallone, um, uh, on Instagram tweeted or tweet, messaged, uh, for the 35th anniversary of Rocky four is getting a new director's cut by me so far. It looks great. Soulful. Thank you. MGM for this opportunity to do it to entertain. And someone, um, replied, don't cut the robot. And Sly said, I don't like the robot anymore. <laughs> And then someone—I haven't seen Rocky Four, so the presence of this robot—oh my as god,
5: a it's a complete incredible. surprise to me. I was like, "What? Someone? So, I need to—I need to track down a
1: copy of this before its you got, before, yeah, it's, before uh, they they vault it. Uh, wow, cool. Does it expand on the relationship between Paulie and his robot? And <laughs> Sylvester Stallone responded, "The robot is going to the junkyard forever. No more robot.
5: <laughs> well, you know what? The, okay, this is what people need to do. You need to get in the gram. Yeah, go to his page. Yes. Just keep at." I don't,
1: I don't care. This is a hashtag. I think,
5: I think flooding, flooding his gram with robot questions. It can't make it any worse. Like he can't, he's not going to suddenly go now I'm really deleting it. He's already <laughs> seemed to have committed to that. So I think we just need to, yes. Just, people just need to get in there, ask about that robot, even just ask like genuine questions about the robot. You yes. don't have to be a jerk about it. One of my, uh, a friend of mine, uh, when they launched the Periscope app for Apple TV, I don't know if I told this story before, no. I can't, so, but anyway, it was years ago at this point. Uh we would load it and you could like uh, arrange the streams that you were watching based on view count. Mm. So we would load the ones that had nothing in there. And uh one of the most common periscope streams was just like a dude in his garage, usually hitting a bong, just like chilling, just like staring at his 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 uh his screen. Um, and we would log in. So we'd have it running on the Apple TV. And then we'd both have our phones with the app and we would log in and be like the only two people in this chat and just ask genuine questions about his garage. And it was like, people found it like very off-putting. It was like, we're not, we're not like being weird. I mean, we're being weird, but we just just like, why, why'd you choose that shelving unit? Um, and sometimes we got, I actually got some good feedback and, uh, <laughs> added to my own, uh, garage information. But what I'm saying is, Go, come at it from a different angle. Right. Like, don't be a- aggressive. Just ask genuine questions about the robot. So yeah, whatever happened and to let's the robot? See if through or, that, right. we can, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Like, how did that get into the original script? Right, um, right. Did someone on the staff really love the robot? Or were you trying to be futuristic? Where the design come from? Yeah, so you, right, should- you
4: know, you you were always such a grounded uh, writer and director with such a sense of like daily American life, dating back to Rocky One, of course. Um, I am curious how that vision evolved to include. Uh Polly's birthday robot. <laughs> Polly's birthday robot. I love the robot so much. I just love I I've just, never seen this scene. i have never watched that movie. Oh my god. Like for me, Rocky ends with Mr. T. Boom. Done. You're done. That's it. Yeah. Uh the like thing like about the
1: line, there's no that there's no one's gonna be better. <sighs> you know that's not even okay. Yeah. Ah, okay. That's fair. You're right. That's not even the one I think people even think about anymore, though.
4: I think Which is th- weird because it's actually really it's like just a really solid Rocky movie. It is, it totally is. Um, Anyway, this robot is incredible. The robot's <laughs> it's incredible. Fucking, is this not the most RoboCop fucking thing? It's so fucking good. Yeah. This thing is gonna pull out a gun and just <laughs> mow everyone in the this room light, down. The targeting light, it's we got on Polly. Yeah. Polly is like in this thing's fucking crosshairs. Yeah,
1: it's true. Uh yeah. The Pauly, of course, says I wanted a sports car, not no walking trash can. I love it. Listen, it's it's the eighties, you gotta get a robot. Um Does he fall I, in love with this robot? I don't think he falls in love with the robot. No. Uh the the after that video finished playing for me, the next video in line was Polly and his
5: robot at the love of his, the love of his life. Okay, and well I this, feel like this, that's just people, you know, reading into the Yeah, that's just ask, 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 a, You know what? Right? There we you go. Yeah, go. Get, get on the gram yeah, and ask
1: <laughs> what's going on. What's going on? Is there is there a little bit of a is there a little like love connection happening? What's going on? Uh the point is save the robot. Please. Uh the just Sylvester Stallone saying, I don't like the robot anymore is the funniest <laughs> sentence I've ever heard. Just you can hear it. You can hear it in his voice. Ugh. Yeah. Anyway, save save the robot from, from Rocky Four. Uh you could send those emails to Sylvester Stallone not to us uh that's gonna do it for us today we'll be back later this week with more I think there's some more embargoes dropping this week so we'll have more stuff to to talk about by the end of the week um if you have more questions or food stories or boss stories which again we're gonna have to find a time to just go deep into the bag on those because we still have so many of them uh I'll try to like organize those and we'll figure out a time uh gaming vice.com is the email to send those in use the subject question so that I see it um as always, you can follow us all on Twitter, Twitter.com slash Waypoint, WaypointAdvice.com. Follow me, Twitter.com slash Austin underscore Walker. Where can people find you, Rob? At Rob Zachney. Cato.
3: At A underscore Cato underscore appears.
1: And Patrick.
5: At Patrick Klubik.
1: Uh I just saw a, a piece of dialogue from Moon that I had not seen before that includes mm. a character mm. declaring themselves to be God. Uh, And then saying the phrase, excuse me, God's coming through. God's walking here. (laughs) And that's extremely powerful to me. Yes. Yeah. I love it. I love I have to play this game. This game. This game seems great. Uh, All right. As always, you know what it is this week as all other weeks. Fuck capitalism. Go home.
0: The number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.
1: I have an extremely rob Austin Cotto section that I'm like, should we just do that and let Patrick join? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm game. Sure. So I don't know where this goes and I'm just gonna say we're back. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, all right let's I thought clap. Patrick was on this one. He's tagging, He's in, tagging okay. in later. Okay. Gotcha. gotcha.
1: Yeah. All right. Um, let's do seven seconds.
3: Clap. Okay. Did
1: you miss the clap,
3: Kato? It's fine. I don't need it.
1: Okay. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. I believe you. Well, I'm just going to believe you and just say that I believe you. <laughs> uh, this is 340, right? No. 341. Oh, right, 340 was, was
3: Friday, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right.